hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on it so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com drink. That's rosettastone.com drink. Are you the type of person who loves to treat yourself? You know, sometimes you just want to buy yourself a coffee, a fancy coffee. Sometimes you want to get a little extra legroom on the plane. You know what I mean? So if you ever treat yourself to the top options, other places like that, then why are we settling when we're finding a doctor? I know it's easy to fall into that rut, but your health is so important. Enter ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. There's no more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. You know we hate that. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, which is so helpful. You can see who's located near you and who's available and who can treat basically any condition you're searching for. Plus, a typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 to 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. When I moved to LA years ago, I discovered ZocDoc because I was so tired of having to call all these different offices and wait. It took hours sometimes to figure out which doctor in town could help me and which one took my insurance, but not anymore with ZocDoc. I was able to find everything from a psychiatrist to a GI doctor, and I did that all through ZocDoc. And the app has only gotten better over time. I still use it. I still love it. I always recommend it to people, whether you have phone anxiety like me or not. It couldn't get easier to find a doctor with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash drink and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash drink. ZocDoc.com slash drink. Oh, Amethy. Christopolis. <laughs> I miss you. <laughs> I miss you. We were supposed to be recording for the last literal hour, and we just were talking the whole time. Yeah, that's what's how you new? Know, that's how you know it's going to be a good episode, though, because we're clearly just ready to chit-chat. We talked about, like, Waffle House, like, finding bugs in your food. We you really about, like, didn't talk at all. I just bitched to you. <laughs> I reacted with a lot of bleh sounds. <laughs> a lot of cockroaches have followed me to Virginia. I, yeah, I don't love that about you I, I'm not feeling right it. now. No. I, I'm, like, kind of paranoid that, like one of them like laid an egg on me and I just carry them everywhere with it. it's very I kept gross going the eggs <laughs> it's just so foul <sighs> also if I'm talking can you hear me fine right now yes I can hear okay. you am I too loud no I'm talking okay. a little closer to the microphone because <clears throat> my mom actually works in the basement oh. and she's she's like not necessarily super close to me, but I also know that my voice carries, and no, Tom is right you? there. What's up, Tom? Did you need something? I was just checking out food splash for the cats. Oh. The food looks good from this angle. Here we are. <laughs> he was, he was uh, monitoring the cat food, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> most stepdad thing most I've ever da- heard. I was going to say, my stepdad <laughs> literally monitors our cat, his cat's food, so... That sounds about right. By the way, I'm next to the cat food, in case you didn't know. Um, but oh my, my 
good. My mom is working in the basement too, so if my I know my voice carries, so I'm trying to be a little quieter, so I don't scream what the no, fuck while delicate. she's on the phone with a client. So. Oh my god, that's my grown child in the background. <laughs> don't worry about it. Nothing to see here. Just my nearly thirty year old baby <laughs> who works on the internet. It's, it's, don't even make me explain it. <laughs> anyway. Oh, Lord. What, uh, how are you? What's going on? Listen, well, um, I have a slight update as to why I drink this week. <gasps> why? Which is that I found out that if this baby doesn't flip itself, which I realized I call it, like, I called it the completely wrong term. I called it, I forget what I called it, but it's an ECV where they try to flip your baby. And so you said C- CSV said, like, or something. CBS or something stupid. <laughs> hey, I will bring you something from CVS, though, if that's the case. <laughs> there actually is a test, a CVS test that you can do. Anyway, whatever. So either I just already foresee people being like, Christine, wow, you need to like read an article or something. But um, <laughs> <laughs> go to but school, dummy. Go to school. Go back to school. I don't think that they're going to offer that i don't know though but so it's like where they manually try to flip the baby uh-huh. um but so if the baby doesn't flip i'm getting an ultrasound next week if the baby doesn't flip then i have to they're scheduling a c-section for 39 weeks so i have like the like exact next potential week? date no well when this comes out maybe i don't know no two weeks from when this comes out i think so like wow that's really soon it would be it- september 24th i think Okay, thank God. Like, for sure not a Scorpio, though. So, like, we're in the clear. <laughs> no, no. It would be closer to a Virgo than, than a Scorpio. Mm, I just, if the baby isn't a Gemini, do we really love it? You know? So I mean, that's the answer is the... no. But, like, <laughs> I know. that's too late for that, right? Like, at this All point, right. Maybe, maybe it'll be, like, Gemini moon, Gemini rising, you know? Gemini rising would be very interesting. Did you know Blaze is a Gemini rising? And that's why. I, that's I was like, not true. It is. And I was like, why on earth does a Capricorn marry me and why do i marry capricorn doesn't make any sense hmm. the ge- he has gemini in him makes a lot of sense now very huh? interesting huh. <laughs> anyway <laughs> so okay so the baby will be here only like a week earlier two weeks earlier yes, it would be like a week before the due date but like for some does it reason, still freak you out oh fully and september 24th is like less than a month from today as we're recording this which is like holy crap Huh. We better catch up on episodes. <laughs> I see where you're coming from now. Lol, lol, lol. Um, We're going to figure it out. We, I, hmm, To everyone listening, we are going to figure it out. I don't know how, but there, you will still be getting your weekly scheduled episodes. We just don't know how because Christine won't be available. I keep being I'll like, be here, but I don't know where you'll be. M's going to be the MC, just like, so. I'm the, the MC, the M. <gasps> the MC. Christine. Oh, wait, that's very cute. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna down. Just kidding. I'm we gonna her out again. carry this show on my back for an entire maternity leave. I'm gonna try we to come back, and I'm gonna be like, actually, we've kind of moved on to a I've different. Been like the format. demographic has changed. We've the taken some surveys. We've the taken Gen Zers just aren't into you. They They're have not a beef feeling with it. you. They're and not feeling. <laughs> <laughs> they have a big beef. A big they have beef, a beef with roast. your fucking baby, actually. So. <laughs> yeah, well, so do I at this point. So it's fine. I have you get ever it. seen the? Do you watch? I know you don't watch this. Um, but it's called the uh, the Real Life Bros of Simi Valley. What the hell are you okay, talking about? Okay, it's so funny. So I used to work on it at ISS, <clears throat> and so that's where I. <clears throat> sorry, I had milk. Um. My, <laughs> why why you would you do that because i'm stupid um it, i so i would have never heard about the show if i wasn't working on it but i i could not 
it was the funniest thing because it was literally like people from Simi Valley in California, yeah, like acting out satire of the worst tropes of people that live oh, in Simi so Valley. Oh, so it's like a satirical show. Yeah, well, it's, that's it's, fun. it's supposed to be a reality show about these guys from Simi Valley, but it's these guys clearly act like overhyping like the vibe, which is like very like you know bros i mean if you're not from there it might not make sense but just go watch it. i think it's on facebook if anyone ever wants a request it's very funny whether or not you know it the sounds area. like something i'd enjoy well they're uh one of them uh ends up getting a girl pregnant and having a baby and uh his best friend has like real beef with the baby <gasps> and like <laughs> There's times when he's like, this little this little bro's just staring at me. Yo, yo. And he's like talking to his best friend who's the dad. He's like, yo, get your boy. I'm about to get crazy with him. We're about to throw hands. <laughs> oh my God. Like, <laughs> hold me back. Hold me back. Hold me back. You don't even want this. You don't even want this smoke. And so uh, I think about me and your baby and I'm like, one day I'm going to be like, yo, Christine, get your baby. It's going to get crazy over here because they're not letting me share Cheerios. It's getting, I, we're, I'm losing it over here. So they tried to take your food is probably what's going to happen. And you're going to lose your mind. Oh, I'll look you in the eye and I'll be like this relationship with the baby. Sorry. Over. It's over. It's over. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, uh, how are you? You're good. I'm good. I'm, I, I mean, I feel like I've complained about a lot of things. More importantly, the how's the cat so. food? It's, you know, we're at a steady incline. So. Oh, that's good. I, I don't know why he came down here to check. When there's a whole extra bag right next to me, so probably because you were screaming about cockroaches. <laughs> I don't know what his deal is. I do appreciate him. He is quite the house dad. Every time I like look around and see what he's up to, he's just like doing a different. His his love language is acts of service, and so that's he's, how my stepdad is. It's so funny. He's like, I love oh, it. I'm just <laughs> I'm just cleaning the pool. I'm just cleaning the garage. I'm I'm just like. Sit down, my guy. <laughs> my stepdad will be like, can I come over? And I'm like, okay, so he has a project he wants to do. He doesn't want to. So I'm like, sure. And I'll come over and be like, I want to take all these cardboard boxes to the recycling center. And I'm like, all right, come over. Come hang out. <laughs> I'll sit in the corner watching TikTok and you can clear out all the trash in my house. I- if I ever lived closer to this house, I kind of wonder and fear that Tom would always be over doing something. And I'd be yeah. like, I don't need that, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's very helpful. And my stepdad has a very good gauge of like, I'm not just going to show up, which is nice. Um, but I just, a uh, fun fact, we have a dumpster now. Um, fun. I've never been so excited about something. You mean a permanent outdoor trash pile? Not a permanent, but semi-permanent because hmm. they're working on our garage. So with the house, we got this decrepit abandoned dentist office that's also very haunted. Yes. Um, and so <laughs> part of the thing is that we're going to try to turn it into a garage so that's been like a year and a half in the making it's like a nightmare but they're finally starting it this week on th- i think wednesday of this week they started it finally and they brought a massive dumpster and i'm like oh my god all of my boxes and shit that have just been piling up i can put in the dumpster and i'm so excited this is what i get excited about now as i'm 30 years old wow you're um, a mom absolutely yeah. i just love i just love finally <coughs> having somewhere to put all my trash i just have so much trash all the time I don't know how you accumulate this much I don't trash either. It's bad. Like, my mom will come over and be like, again? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's because we order so much stuff. Like, we order Gio's dog food. We order the cat food. We order Daily Harvest. We order HelloFresh. Like, I feel like every week there's, like, a new box that I get, have to get rid of. I don't know. <sighs> I also my problem. As I also up. accumulate a lot of trash, but nothing like you. That's that's Olympic level. It's sad. It's it's really like I need to I need to to <laughs> stop buying better, things. Be better to the planet. I don't know. Um, <sighs> so yes, that's 
and I also very much insist on recycling and then our recycling bin is full and I'm like well gotta wait till the recycling bin is empty so we never catch up you know I hear you maybe get two recycling bins I tried that they were like you can't have that (laughs) oh "Oh, I can't doubly save the planet that's interesting I'm not allowed to so is that why you drink you got that's why well also because i potential plant c-section for the 24th so good luck is it the 24th now Uh, or the 19th oh no it's the 24th if um it's week 39 the 24th of september i see if the baby doesn't boop flip all right good to know we'll see what i can pull off here i got a yoga ball i'll try my best yes good luck i don't know what to tell you my doctor's like have a conversation and i was like i it's not working they don't baby doesn't listen to me (laughs) anyway just knock on the belly and be like get out get out excuse me by now you've probably heard about burrow a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs durable materials and details that make life in your space easier Last year, they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line, which I love, and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection. For example, Dunes offers seating, dining, and lounger options, while Scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric. And I think I'm going to get two of those for the balcony. Blaze and I love to sit out there in the evenings after Leona goes to bed. And I love the idea of having a good-looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside. Made of durable materials made for all seasons, weather-resistant teak, stainless alloy, and quick-dry stain-resistant cushions with easy assembly and disassembly this is the perfect thing for your outdoor space they also just launched a new standing desk co-pilot with adjustable height a durable scratch resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever i'm in the market for a new desk um so this is definitely going to be my next bookmark and of course there's burrow's legacy seating collections like the nomad and range now available in new colors and m and i that's like the only piece of furniture i think we actually share is our burrow sofa in the podcast department Love that thing. And that's why we drink listeners can get 15% off their first order at burrow.com slash drink. That's burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash drink for 15% off. Burrow.com slash drink. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. I am so thrilled that we are working with Fast Growing Trees. I spent about an hour and a half on the website trying to decide what I would love to order from their products. They have so many options and you can actually filter it by zones, by growing zones to make sure you know it'll work in your garden. Um, they have everything from massive privacy shrubs and trees to very, very specific flowers. I actually ended up ordering a lilac shrub for my garden. I recently discovered how much I love the smell of lilac and so I thought, you know what? Perfect chance. Why don't I get some lilac growing in my yard? I think it's going to smell beautiful. And I also got my mom a little lavender plant as an Easter present. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code DRINK at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code DRINK at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code DRINK. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. So my story is a is the part two to mm. Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, the scandals. Yes. And last week, uh, if you want to go back and listen to that episode, it was the kind of like a quick summary, like a, like a little biography of how they came to be. 
Um, and this week is going to be the scandals surrounding them, which doesn't always mean that they're involved because so the Warrens, they are the inspiration for the Conjuring series. And there's also been some lawsuit issues with the Conjuring franchise, oh, which we'll okay. talk about just because I want to cover everything. I, y'all, I appreciate that everyone asked for me to cover the Warrens, but nobody really gave me like any <laughs> direction. And so some guidance and structure. Yeah. I, Cause everyone was like, just do Ed and Lorraine Warren. And I was like, do you want me to just do like their entire life? Cause if they did literally like what, it was like 10,000 10, cases or something. I was like, I, this is me telling about Ed okay, and Lor- the also, podcast now is you me- have an episode for the rest of time. Like we have 10,000 stories, apparently, apparently so. <laughs> and so, um, so I didn't know what people meant by that, but then I have seen, um, online. I was unaware up until people started telling me that I guess the Warrens are really problematic and I did not know that. Um, oh. Yes, because I've seen people write in being like, why do you support the Warrens? And I was like, first of all, I don't think I ever said I support the Warrens. I, I don't just, think so either. I just <laughs> like that they're like, how cool is it to be a main character in all these ghost stories? Like, that's all. They just but seem apparently, like, like they're characters. Yeah, it just seems like they're always there. But anyway, people took that as me like siding with them as if, as if I knew what the other oh, information no. was. So I, I'm just covering everything because I don't know what the fuck people are hoping for. And I just want to just make sure I, you know, give them what they want. Yeah. And if I, if I miss something for the people who seem to know more about this before I did, um, like, and that's not, you know, me trying to be, if you genuinely know more about this than I do, please write in if I missed something. Cause I tried and I don't feel like there was actually like a, like any one large specific crisis. Mm. Um, I saw, I found like two, like one is just like the people being skeptical of them, but or like that they are potentially grifters, but there was never like a solid issue. Like and a then, main storyline. Yeah, and then and then one comes out because of the lawsuits with the Conjuring universe. So oh, okay, but other than that, I don't know what people were looking for. So let me know. Um, <clears throat> okay, so let's start with their the skepticism people had around the legitimacy of their work slash the chance that they were potentially grifting and just doing all this for money and fame and they weren't actually valid and what they right. were doing. So um there's a lot of skepticism about the Warrens and the legitimacy of their cases and the main concern was that no one ever saw any hard evidence of a haunting that couldn't be refuted or have an an easy excuse. Oh. So people even started doubting Lorraine's gifts and like I said in the last episode she got tested to prove that she, her gifts are actually far above average so that was her way of kind of shutting people up and making herself feel valid but apparently the ridicule really ate her up um, oh no of people judging her <clears throat> so only she truly knows if her gifts were legit or not but I would say at least one person in those 10,000 cases thinks that Lorraine really saved their life so um you know, run with that how you will. Yeah. Um, some say that they might have actually just made up each of the cases uh, for, or like they would have made up whatever proof that they claimed they found purely for clout. So like if they said, oh, we got this audio or we got this, these pictures, basically it's like today's version of Ghost Adventures. Like, okay, you technically got evidence, but like it could all more or less be excused if you're mm-hmm. not a believer. It's easy to say like, oh, the picture was doctored or... Right, oh, this audio wasn't legit. Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> so, and I did mention this last time too, that they were devout Catholics mm-hmm. and um, Ed happily admitted that he would do things for clout and money if it meant that their fame would rise so people would pay attention to them so that he could have a larger audience to expose the devil to. Uh-huh. And a lot of people could see that as like, okay, he's a devout Catholic and doing what he needs to to fight for God or something. Right. But other people could also say like he literally admitted he's a clout chaser. Right. Like he wants an audience. Yeah. And yeah. he's like hiding behind the fact that he's Catholic to like make it seem valid or something. Right. One of the issues that people take with him and their their intense Catholicism and then like using this as like a don't get into the occult they just happened to be really big during the 70s and the 80s which was during the satanic panic and so mm-hmm. it's almost like they put themselves in the front lines of being the prime leaders before there were any other famous experts to rely on about this so whatever they said went wow. especially when there was a bunch of parents fearing for their kids that they were like going to get into the occult and shit so you know, parents were making their kids go to these lectures. Colleges were worried about their students. It would make them go to lectures. It was like a huge college circuit that they ran. That's crazy. Because there was this fear that the teens are going to get into witchcraft. So, <laughs> by the way, also in 2021, it's like not a cute look that they were using this propaganda to like make people afraid of witches. Let's put it no, that way. Let's yeah. do that also. I mean, it's all very <clears throat> bizarre and like, it's questionable. <laughs> he, they also, um, it was a really... Uh, I always have really intelligent or ingenious idea of like, this is a really spooky thing that people want to hear about, but also parents see us as protecting their kids. And so, I mean, it was like the perfect storm to have people selling out your lecture halls because people want to go see a bunch of scary pictures and hear ghost stories and get creeped out. And, but at the same time, you're teaching them a lesson. So it was like, it was a very perfect storm for them to always um, like if that was a hot class ticket. credit, I'd be like, sure, I'll go. <laughs> exactly. So it was it was very easy for them to make their money by saying like we've done really scary stuff. Come to our lecture and find out. And so even though they find were out never how dangerous it is, yeah, bingo. So yeah. even if they were never actually making any money off of their investigations, um, they were still making money off of people wanting to hear about the investigations. Right. And it gives people even more reason to say, like, they never needed money for the investigation because they knew that they were going into an empty house without ghosts and there was nothing to find. And they didn't mm-hmm. even want to get charged to just, like, stand in a room that they knew wasn't threatening. They just wanted the money later to talk right. about how scary it was. Um, <clears throat> so... Uh, plus on top of their lecture circuit and their speaking engagements, they also made, uh, I'm sure they made a bunch of money from like selling their rights to like the Amityville story and things like that, which sold like crazy. So just having their name attached to it, you know, made them super big. They were doing, um, press junkets. They were on TV shows. I mentioned a lot of this last time, but I just want to go over it again that like they were getting a lot of media appearances and all of them they were getting paid for Uh um a lot of times they would uh claim that hauntings only came from engaging in occult activity or sinning in some way they were very conservative yeah so apparently i didn't read the book so i could be totally wrong but the sources i was reading it looks like they read the book they were saying the, the <laughs> I, I know someone read the book <laughs> so it's called the demonologist i mention it a little bit later actually um but it's from 1980 it's the demonologist and 
uh, I guess it really shows how um, stern or how strict in their religion that they were, uh, that the Warrens were. But it seems that they would say basically any version of you sinning, you're just opening a portal to the devil. Like like they were like really strict straight out of the 40s you know, good Christian wow, people. Wow, I must be sucked into some wormhole then, because... <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, some say that they may have actually... I don't know if this is true or not, but there is the rumor that they might have actually turned families away who weren't religious, because they were less likely to fall for any hauntings that they might Uh-oh. have been trying to uh, convince you of. Um, I don't think that's true if they're doing 10,000 cases it's in hard 20 to years. 10,000 strict Catholics, I would say, <laughs> I but I mean, what do I know? But skeptics will probably say, like, oh, and they found people who were the most vulnerable to believe them, you know? Sure, sure. So, uh, and also, it was a little skeevy to people that they were also bringing in their own film crews for, like, local news affiliates and things like that. I've heard about that. So, like, in Amityville, they brought their own little film crew. Okay. Um, And that picture of the ghost boy by the stairs that is, like, super freaky. It, like, looks like a real alive human child. Um, People are like, that literally could have just been a human child. I mean, everyone in the Amityville story says there was nobody in the house. There were no children in the house. Do I know that that picture? I must. If you you saw it, you would know it here. Amityville boy picture. Um, it's so the story goes that they Lorraine felt something by the stairs and took a picture and okay. and uh, there's a very creepy picture of a little boy leaning over the stair re- stairwell. Oh wait, I do remember this. Did you talk and about this in a- in the Amityville episode? Maybe I'm gonna send you the picture. Okay. Um, but the I do feel like apparently I the this. boy looks like one of the DeFeo children who was oh, murdered. Oh, yes, you did. Oh, my God, yes. We literally have this on our Instagram from way back when. From way we back should, when. We should repost it. We'll repost it. But, yeah, uh, okay, I see where you could be, like, I mean, it literally looks like a child, like a human I mean, child. yeah, if you, if you believe in the Warrens and what they're doing, and you also just read the Amityville books, you just saw the Amityville movie, you know that they're right. attached, and, like, everyone is saying that this picture is legitimate, uh, you know, it would be really cool if it was legitimate. It'd be really scary if it was legitimate. Yeah. But realistically, a skeptic <laughs> could be like, they literally just took a picture of a fucking kid. Like, are you kidding? Like, <laughs> so, I don't know. There's, it's, like, that picture, I don't it's know if scary. they ever, like, sold it for any money or anything. But the fact that they even had the local news come, it's it's almost like they're doing all of this really um, elaborate stuff just to really blow your mind so that mm-hmm. they're... I don't know. So their lecture tickets cost more next time or something. I mean, a lot of people think that every step was a planned grifting tactic of if your mind blown, if your mind is blown here, just wait to see this picture later. And what if you see this later and this later? So it was all building up on their fame. Okay. Um, I feel like a lot of this is repetitive, but I'm just saying as much as I can. Like that's the critique. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all this is just sounds like, you know, swindling yeah it's Um, like any sort of skeptic of a ghost hunter medium anything like that i think it's similar exactly i would love to see a world where harry houdini was alive at the same time as the warrens because they might have been real opposites you know he would have found a way into one of their investigations zb i feel like that would have been quite oh my god daytime talk show situation you know Zach would have Harry Houdini on the show just to blow his fucking mind. A hundred percent. 
A hundred percent. Okay, so... Uh, oh, plus, there's this weird information. I got this from a YouTube channel. What was the YouTube video called? This was the only place I saw this information, but... Um, it was called Possessed by Horror. Ed and Lorraine Warren were liars? Well, and, <laughs> question mark? And it was kind of a compilation of different cases they've done that felt a little shady. Skeevy. But apparently during the Amityville case, um, information came out later that... Um, so for those of you who don't know about the story about the Amityville horror is that this house in New York, the DeFeo family lived there and their oldest son claims he was possessed by the devil and murdered his entire family. And that was um, episode five, correct? Four. Four, episode four. four, four. And I will do a, a retelling of that because oh, I'm sure my wait. information will be a little crisper next time. Um, but so he killed his whole family and then only a, a very short turnaround later, the Lutz family moved in because it was cheap and they claim to have been haunted by mm-hmm. either the children from the the family that died before them or the same demon that was possessing Ronald DeFeo. And they only lived in that house for 28 days. And when on the, by the 28th day, it was so horrible that they literally left the house in the middle of the night and never came back for their belongings. So, and this house is in New York, Amityville, New York. Yeah. Amityville, New York. Um, so there apparently was some information that came out and this could have totally been someone making this up to make the Warrens look bad, but information's there that the DeFeo's lawyer when Ronald DeFeo was put on trial for murdering his family his lawyer at one point formed an alliance with the Lutz family who moved in after the deaths oh apparently that lawyer heard that the Lutzes were moving into the house and like hung out with them uh to make that to like almost get a story together apparently they had like a creative writing session of sorts okay um where basically they wanted to figure out a a a horrific tale about what the lutzes are going through as a way to get basically a testimony proving that ronald DeFeo was in fact haunted by something demonic okay does that make sense sort of sorry i think i'm so ronald DeFeo, who killed his family his lawyer found out that oh, the his new f- lawyer Got yeah it. he okay. that lawyer started talking to the Lutz family who moved in after the murders right um and he was i i uh-huh. guess they were trying to build a case together or he they made some sort of agreement where the Lutzes were talking about how scary that house was because it was clearly haunted and the lawyer wanted to use that story to defend his clients this is like his defense attorney who's it was like, like oh, i'm talking to, to the new family the and they are also uh. saying this place is super haunted and therefore ronald defado wasn't actually a murderer he was in fact possessed by the devil and you can plead I insanity see okay that makes total sense yes and there was even discussion that maybe ronald defado's um lawyer hired the warrens to be a part of the investigation because they seemed really credible and maybe if the warrens were doing an investigation at the house that someone just was possessed by the devil at yeah then maybe the warrens would be able to find something and they could say no no like this guy can plead insanity to murdering his family because we'll vouch for it we found shit there too Uh so it's all alleged right alleged okay um, but it the information exists out in yeah. the world that apparently this is one theory that okay. happened. Okay. Um, 
And so, anyway, so maybe the the Warrens and the Lutz, the Lutz family, who did know each other, by the way, the Warrens and the Lutz family did know each other. Oh. Because the Warrens did come to investigate the house after everything was right. going on with the Lutz. So, um, because they knew of each other, there's some rumors that they work together. Also, right. this same story has been spun into a separate theory when people don't believe the Lutz family that the house was haunted. And they say, well, you brought in the Warrens so that way they could confirm it was haunted and you could make a bunch of money. The Amityville horror story, actually, um, there's a lot of its own individual scandal because if I ever do the Amityville horror again, I'm definitely going to cover the the potential grifting part Mm. of that because the entire family... Uh, I think went into hiding at one point because like they just got completely reamed by yeah. the public of like, you did all of this for money. You ended up on talk shows. You had the Warrens come. So I'm sure this story of the DeFeo lawyer working with the Lutzes and Warrens could also be spun into this is how the Lutzes got popular. Right. Anyway, it's a whole thing that they maybe all were working together to help Ronald DeFeo seem like he didn't kill his family. Mm hmm. Um, meanwhile, another way that, uh, the Warren's credibility has been judged is that the Annabelle doll, if we Mm. remember the Annabelle doll, Mm -hmm. that was episode 10 of And That's Why We Drink, (laughs) um, which I, again, I, I say all these as if, I mean, they're all very old episodes, so I would like to revise each of them, but for now we've got episode 10 of Annabelle and, uh, Apparently, so for those of you who don't know, the Annabelle doll actually lives inside Ed and, Ed and Lorraine's um, occult museum. Right. So after everything Which is that like happened, their house, right? It's like it's attached to their house. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and they would pay people to if they wanted to come to the museum and see everything. Again, or they would charge people. They would charge people. Oh, yes. Sorry, not pay people. <laughs> um, they would charge people, which is another thing of like, oh, you're charging admission sure. for like the world's scariest items that could hurt people. Why are you letting people go into the house? You know, like, why well, are you? I don't know. suckers for that, too. So I know. I, I don't really blame them for that. I think it's a genius move. Zach Bagans copied them, you know. I mean, yeah. Um, and so uh, they have the Annabelle doll behind glass with like a giant sign on her that says like, don't touch or don't let out of don't, don't let, let out, out of her cage. cage. Oh my if, god! If you if you get her out of the cage, she'll like kill people again. I'm not totally oh sure. Oh my god! But um, apparently Ed used to tell people who came to visit Annabelle that the last person to make fun of the Annabelle doll tragically died. But there's no proof of that. Never oh. got, gave any names. Never gave any evidence. So a lot of people say, okay, you're just making this even scarier than it needs to be. Plus, apparently, the show The Twilight Zone in oh, 1963, show. they have an episode about an evil doll, and mm-hmm. one of the main characters in that episode was named Annabelle. So oh. a lot of people think, like, maybe he took inspiration from that episode and just hoped no one would put it together, and this is <laughs> just, like, a, he, he just made this doll evil. I don't know. It's it's a, a weird coincidence, coincidence i guess yeah yeah so people like to use that against them plus the fact that annabelle now sits behind glass um at their museum and again people pay to see her if some people are upset that it feels exploitative sure um and then there's the case that i covered a while ago i think it was episode two thirteen. Oh, i was like I- two 
No, no. <laughs> I think it was episode 213. I forgot to write it down. But the uh, Arnie Cheyenne Johnson case of The Devil Made Me Do It. Oh, yep, yep, yep. So, which, by the way, was inspiration for The Conjuring 3. Okay. Um, so, in 2007, the boy who was possessed that uh, the Warrens did an exorcism on, his older brother claims that there was never any hauntings, and the Warrens made up this entire story um, <laughs> just for... I don't know. I guess money. That's not a good look. So uh, there was a there was an author who I'm going to you're going to learn his name a lot by the end of this. His name is Gerald Brittle. Okay. And Gerald Gerald Brittle. uh, In this case, at least with Arnie Shane Johnson, he wrote this book called The Devil in Connecticut Mm. about about the case. Mm -hmm. Um, But apparently Lorraine also co-wrote it. So they think like, oh, well, Lorraine could have had some artistic license and you know written in scarier parts that right. than what really existed um the older brother to the kid who was possessed who says that there were no hauntings in fact he uh tried to sue for unspecified damages and exploitation oh boy he has a quote saying lorraine warren is nothing but a fraud she <gasps> says she has documentation but she has nothing um and he basically says that the entire case wow. just destroyed their family, and that's not good. Meanwhile, that's a bad look. And in a more relevant uh, twist of events, Zach Bagans has bought the chair that the little boy was exercised in. <laughs> Fun. The chair. <clears throat> um, and people who sit in it at the haunted museum apparently like ends up having to go get like corrective back surgery because okay, like that seems really don't let people sit in that. So if you'd like to be more attached to this case, you can go watch Conjuring 3 and then go sit in a chair at Don't Zach's house. Don't sit in that chair, man. I'm telling you. Apparently when he brought that chair in, like within like three hours of them opening the exhibit, they had to cancel it. They had to like, they had to take it down and like shut it down. Mm. And so they revised the exhibit because people like were leaving ill and passing out and shit. Oh so. my God. Anyway, uh, another one is the Snedeker case. Which oh yeah I think I I'm you pretty did. sure I covered them yeah you did um and Lorraine Warren uh so the Snedeker case was also the inspiration for the movie A Haunting in Connecticut okay yep um and Lorraine Warren actually says that she was embarrassed by the inaccuracies in this movie fun fact Lorraine says that Lorraine says it she saw the movie and she went none of that was fucking true oh wow okay and she says. This is a quote from her. Do you know the amount of time and effort we put into that case? Do you know how many meetings with the clergy we had to finally bring closure to that family? And apparently the book, the movie does not show that. So um, interesting, though, that the person being accused of for like being fake is the one saying like none of that movie was accurate. But do you think it's because she was like, oh, they didn't show all the work I put into it? It sounded like she was like, do you know how much... I don't. I haven't seen the movie in so long. I wouldn't know what she means by that. Okay. But I. I. To be fair, I think in a haunting in Connecticut. I don't know if the. I don't think that the Warrens were actually in that movie. So. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, is she like, oh, they didn't even show all the work I did on that mm, case? Do you know what I'm saying? I see. Like it was inaccurate because it didn't portray her and all her hard work. Interesting. I don't like, know. She said, "Oh, all the." Um, Meet, do you know how many meetings I had to have with the clergy to close? Right, right. I feel like I don't it's know. That's a good. That's a good point. Self-focused. 
Anyway, so there's uh, there's the movie Haunting in Connecticut where you can learn about the Snedeker case. Um, and that one didn't actually have people portraying the Warrens. And then the Conjuring universe, it, it does have the Warrens. And she's portrayed. like, that one's accurate. <laughs> and she's like, actually, she did say The Conjuring was the most accurate well, movie. Well, there you go. <laughs> that, okay, that's not good luck. I but, don't know. <laughs> so uh, the, there's a book about the Snedeker case, just like how there was a book about the Arnie Shane Johnson case. Mm-hmm. There was a book called In a Dark Place, The Story of a True Haunting. Ooh. And I'm sure that also, I'm sure between the Snedeker case and real life and this book, that was the inspiration for A Haunting in Connecticut. Right. Um, but so this book was written by the Warrens, as well as a few other people, one of them being one of the Snedekers, and one of them being Ray Garten. And Ray Garten is actually a horror author. And so people are like, why did you need a horror author to write a case that should have already been scary on its own? You know what I mean? Yep, I do. If it's already a scary story that that's like good enough for a book, why do you need a horror author? Not like Uh (laughs) fictional. Although some people who are pro-Warren will say, well, they just wanted someone who knew how to write scary to like really that like make sure too. that the message got across and you know they wanted like someone who was better at writing and giving you the creeps to like go in with our actual real information and just like make it more deliver powerful. it a certain way yeah i mean that makes sense too i totally get that but yeah. there is also the argument of like okay but like why was why was someone else needed to tell your yeah. story blah 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 so one thing that is odd, though, is that Ray Garten, to write, to help with his piece, he wanted to get interviews of everybody in the family about their experience during this haunting. Okay. Um, I guess he just wanted to, like, get quotes from them. So while he was helping them judge the story up, he would get, he would have real quotes. Sure. But when he was interviewing the family for the book, he saw that there was a lot of inconsistencies and the storylines didn't line up. Ruh-roh. And he went to Ed... Uh, saying, like, what do I do about this? Like, it doesn't sound like any of this is (laughs) making sense. It's not the same story every time. And Ed apparently said, quote, don't worry, they're crazy. You've got some (gasps) of the story. Just use what works and make the rest up. Just make it up and make it scary. (gasps) That's that's not good, good buddy. Not a good look. Not a good look. Why would um, you even say that? What are you thinking? I don't know. I don't know. Aww. So, um... They're that's, crazy. That's really nice. Well, oh so God. apparently there, this Snedeker family also was a family that was dealing with some substance abuse. And oh, so shit. now there's the idea that maybe there never was any hauntings and people were just having, you know, they were delusional or I don't know if that's even the right word to say, but they were seeing things and nothing yeah, was actually like having really there. hallucinations or something. Yeah. So there's, we don't know. We don't know. Then it's um, extra bad to call them quote unquote crazy. Crazy. Yikes. Yep. Um, there's another case, which I've never heard Not of good. and now plan to cover called Bill Ramsey, the Wolfman. And, uh, Wait. <laughs> apparently the Warrens took on this case of a guy that literally was maybe a werewolf. And so, <laughs> um, Lorraine claims that he she actually has a video of Ramsey transforming into a wolf. Okay. But then it's never been seen. Yeah, I was going to say, well, where is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, plus, uh, in the book they wrote about that case, there is allegedly no actual evidence of him being a wolf man. It was just 
a book about the case, but no like hard hitting facts that would have really freaked you out. Okay. Um, in 1990, uh, Ed claimed that he got footage of the white lady of union cemetery. Apparently this is like a big Connecticut case. Um, or a big, a a famous ghost in Connecticut. Um, the white lady of union cemetery. And he claims he got footage, but no footage has ever really been seen. And (sighs) also one person has come forward who has said that the footage does exist, but it is literally of them under a bedsheet. Oh, come on. And maybe even Ed has... He's like, I got footage. And then he like looked at it again and was like, oh, this actually isn't very convincing. Yeah, he was probably like, it's not actually, we should just not even show anyone. It's too late. We already told everyone we have it. Oops. (laughs) So there's that. Um, Then the Enfield Poltergeist, which I have covered. I remember that too. Um. The Enfield Poltergeist was the inspiration for The Conjuring 2. Oh my so just goodness. To, just let me run a list down because I feel like I might be confusing people. So in The Conjuring universe, if you're trying to watch a movie and you want to see your favorite case represented in in these movies, A Haunting in Connecticut was the Snedeker case. Conjuring 1 was about the Perrin family and their haunting. Conjuring 2 was uh, the Enfield Poltergeist and The Conjuring 3, which only came out like last year or earlier this year, is uh, Arnie Cheyenne Johnson, The Devil Made Me Do It. Okay. And then there's also a whole trilogy about Annabelle. Okay. Okay. As well. And those are all in the same bubble. Those are all in the same bubble. Those okay. are all f- filmed by I didn't realize that. the same production company. Um, there's also La Llorona and The Nun, but I don't think either of those have anything to do with the universe itself. So, Well, are they like somehow... <laughs> They're still still connected and uh, like directed by the same people. Oh, and all that. got it's, it. Same team. It's or the same like production company. I think okay, that got makes you. all these movies and the same director. But um, if you're looking for one specifically portraying the Warrens, that's the Conjuring series. So one, two, three. Okay. It's a it's a little bit of a mess. Sorry, everyone. No, but, no, it's good to know. I didn't realize all that. So because I keep saying like, oh, this one inspired this one. So just wanted to give everyone. I didn't a realize how broad sweeping this whole fucking series is. I know it's pretty great. I mean, it's also pretty genius. Like, hey, with all like here's Ed and Lorraine Warren. They've done 10,000 cases. Let's make a whole universe of movies. About I mean, it. seriously. I mean, and they're all going to have some connection and we can keep building on it. Yes. Yeah, genius. Um, so the Enfield Poltergeist, which was The Conjuring 2. Mm-hmm. Apparently, a lot of activity happened away from investigators, but uh, it was implied that the investigators were like, it's implied that not only Ed and Lorraine, but all investigators were present for a lot of the creepy stuff. But realistically, it was a lot of after, a lot of hearsay afterwards from the okay. kids. So the Enfield poltergeist was there was four siblings and one of them was slowly becoming possessed. <sighs> by a poltergeist in the house and it was just like a really gnarly haunting but so it was like two two of the daughters were sleeping in the same room and so it was a lot of times it was like two of the kids pretending to make sounds or pretending to do something and then they even admitted later like they made some of the stuff up because they were trying to freak out the investigators um so even though the conjuring 2 makes it look like the warrens were majorly involved in this investigation apparently they only showed up for one day at the Enfield house, uninvited, and then kind of got asked to leave. Oh. Which is interesting. And not that for anything, not for, like, any, like, wrong reasoning. Not like they, like, did something bad and had to leave the house. But, like, they like they just weren't even invited to be there. And they just showed up. Oh. <clears throat> so I'm wondering if out of their 10,000 cases, 
I'm wondering if like how many of them were they asked to go to and how many of them were like we're the Warrens and we'll just show up and they'll be grateful we're there. They just inserted themselves. Or how many of those were like if you listen to the first episode of this little two-parter um they used to like approach people's houses and like make art of the house and say like we want to give this to you in exchange for like ghost stories like how many times were they just kind of inserting themselves into a narrative and calling it a case you know right no completely because i mean ten thousand is bananas like and like from the 50s to the how do you even track that i don't know i don't know how you track that yeah and also like i don't know like maybe they i don't i don't know the reasoning i don't want to it doesn't sound like they were necessarily doing anything wrong. I feel like if I were known as a massive paranormal investigator and there was a huge poltergeist crisis, I would maybe want to check it out. Like, I, like I'm i not saying they did anything, like, super duper wrong, but also, like, no one asked them to be there. Like, they didn't have to be That's there. That's bullshit. M would be hiding under a blanket and be like, don't get me near that poltergeist. <laughs> I also would have pulled a warrants and left after one day. To yeah, be you would have been like, I'm <laughs> uninviting myself from this. Yeah, it's like, I was not invited, and now I am really, un- not even I want to be invited here. So, um, so anyway, it was interesting. When you watch The Conjuring 2, it seems like it was one of the Warren's biggest cases, but there were like other people involved in the Enfield poltergeist, actually the SPR, the society of psychical research. They were the ones leading an investigation and like, they already had to deal with Harry Houdini showing up every now and then. Now they're like (laughs) these fucking guys. So, um, it's, it's interesting. The SPR, there's actually a, a one member from the SPR who was one of the head investigators of the Enfield poltergeist who ended up saying a lot about the, uh, Warrens and okay. when he saw them there. So his name was Guy Playfair. Wow, what a name. I know. Um, and he said that uh, <clears throat> he remembers bumping into them at the Enfield Poltergeist house and he was not impressed. Oh, um, This is a quote from him. Let me um, lubricate. <laughs> <sighs> I could feel I was getting a little parched there. <clears throat> Guy said, quote, they did turn up once, I think, at Enfield, and all I can remember is Ed Warren telling me that he could make a lot of money for me out of it. Ooh. So I thought, well, that's all I need to know from you, and I got myself out of his way as soon as I could. They just wanted to make money out of it. Ed, like, you're uh, cool it. Your 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 quotes are being requoted. And Stop like, if, it. and it's like if he if his argument is like, wow, this is gonna make us a lot of money because we're gonna be put on the spotlight and we will be exposing people to the devil, like. Like, he's not framing it like, uh, if this guy is right, I'm, uh, I'm assuming sure. that his opinion is is solid and true here. I, I would, if I were Ed, I would have not said, like, wow, we're going to make a lot of money. I would have been like, wow, a lot of people are going to learn about the devil and a, a lot of people are going to find Jesus. You know, like, it would expose <laughs> a lot of people are about to be saved, you know, like yes, something, we're, something we're like helping, that. We're helping the world. We're doing right. a service. Yeah. Service, yeah. Um, but no, it, it's according to this guy, Ed just wasn't it for the money. Um, well, and to tell the other guy, I mean, I do get why if, if Ed, especially were really, a guy he didn't know, you just met him that day. Yeah. But like, I get why if you were really in it for the money, you'd probably be like, well, I'm sure other people are too. Right. Like, I feel like if, if that is your headspace, like, oh, I'm doing this for, for mo- monetary gain. You look at another guy there and you're like, Hey, like, let me in on this. 
right. I can help us get a shit ton of money. <laughs> right. Wrong guy. You're talking to the wrong Meanwhile, guy. though, in other quotes, like the documentary I watched about this, every single one of their quotes is like really wholesome and pure well, and genuine of like, we just want to help people. Like we've always been fascinated with these quotes. It seems wishy-washy. It seems like we're, it seems like maybe he had a lot of opinions and every person is cherry picking the personality trait of his that they yeah like yeah it seems like he i mean i don't i mean maybe i'm i'm not trying to sound like i'm defending them i'm just trying this is one of the first times where i'm not one of the first times but this is one of the few times where i have to do your job where like there are people still alive (laughs) that could be like upset by what i'm saying and all this and i I don't allegedly (laughs) i just yeah i just i don't want to offend anybody because i don't know what's true and what's not so I just feel like I have to keep playing the yeah. balance game. No, that's an important but caveat. Like, we're just playing around theories. It's it's. I don't alleged. I don't know. All I know is they were going into a lot of haunted houses. And out of 10,000, maybe some of them really were fucking haunted. And maybe some of them weren't. And, and they you know, were you like, you know say, what? At least I'll make money off of this. I was going to say, like, you could say, I'm going to make money off this and have it still be haunted. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean you're making it all up. It's I mean, like, I would love to go. capitalize on it, even if it's real. That's what I was going to say. Like, look yeah. at Zach Bagans. Like, he genuinely yes, exactly. wants to go into haunted houses. But he also genuinely wants to make some fucking money. I mean, like, we're so, doing that, right? Like, we're telling I'm stories. I'm telling ghost stories. Yeah. And I'm making money. And, like, that, it's great to have both. Wait, you're I, making I, money from this? I, a little bit, oh, a little shit. bit. I hey, am, but you know what? I'm. But it's, <laughs> I'll give you one penny. Um, okay. But no, like it's like I don't think there's anything wrong with having an interest and in you in a job that you love doing, and yes. jobs come with getting paid. There's so. like a fine line there because it's sort of like people in the creative field, for example. Like some people get shit for yeah charging for their creative services like but you're they're doing work they're so i I get the line there yeah i get it but i do think it's interesting that he Mm. a person he had never met who was like the head investigator and now he's saying wow we're gonna make a lot of money it's like bad of all the people like you're gonna go up to the head person and say we're gonna make a lot of money like at least go to like the like the poor guy who's just carrying batteries around or something, you know, uh, like get like the one guy who doesn't care about the ghost and is here for the money. Talk right, to him. Like, <laughs> he's here for a job. No, that's a really good point. Yeah. You're like don't go to the one person who is arguably the most passionate in the room. Oof. And anyway, it was a bad look. It so um, apparently with the parent family haunting, which was uh, it, it inspired Conjuring 1. It's one of the, I will say, uh, it was one of the most backed up cases in the Warrens case log, where even the parents of this, the parents' family does say to this day, it was an extreme haunting. Um, one of the, uh, I think, I don't know how many of them are still alive, but at least the oldest sister of the parent family has said a lot about it, and she said that things were haunted. Um, so uh, the parent family, their current owner, though, did sue or no not uh sorry not the parent family themselves they they moved out of the house that right. was haunted and the current owner has sued warner brothers though because fans were trespassing so often to get pictures oh, of the house that's not good um apparently it was really bad like people were publishing info about the family oh my god some people like in the comments like jokingly were like haha it'd be fun to break in there what and, is like, what is wrong with people i know so this is my psa if you are someone who thinks it's funny to say it'd be fun to break into a house and like someone lives there? Like, don't do it. Don't Listen to do my it. half of the show and then realize how unfunny that is. <laughs> this 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 is my PSA: Do not break into this person's house and leave them alone. You have your AirPods in. We're talking to you right now, and you're halfway up a fence. 
turn around (laughs) yep 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 you get it you get it go to waffle Uh, house even if you can even if it's in your eye line you can see it you're so close just don't just get off the fence don't it's not too late (laughs) it's not too late so um the owner did say that uh so the original parents who lived there the older sister i think her name was andrea she was saying like oh yeah that like this place was haunted there was definitely some creepy stuff going on not all of the movie itself was totally true but i also would say like most movies aren't 100 percent accurate on a inspired story especially if they're not documentaries right right um and but the current owner wanted to make it very clear that like some of the more intense parts of the movie are not true so that uh in this movie there's a witch i think her name was not bethesda that's maryland Bethesda? Bethesda? No, this one's Bathsheba. Bathsheba. Oh, Bathsheba. Yeah. That's is that a name? That's a name? Okay. uh, That's like a name you've heard of. It's from the Bible, I think. Wow. Here I am with my Bible and full of, my brain full of knowledge about the Bible. I've Uh, never heard of that name. literally has a Bible underneath their microphone right now. Fun fact. My mom married a a Catholic man. So we do, (laughs) we do have Bibles in this house now. Um, um, Bathsheba was the wife of Uriah. Uh, Uriah. The Hebrew, yep. I am learning a lot of names today. Okay, Bathsheba. <laughs> so uh, the current She's owner the said of Solomon. Okay, sorry. I do know Solomon. That's a fun one. Okay, <laughs> you do know Solomon. Good. So uh, the 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 current owner said that some of the information in the movie is not true. One of it being that there was a witch named Bathsheba Sherman, um, but in real life that person did exist at the house but she was not a witch and she did not die the same way and which was much more tragic in the movie oh. um they also said that there was never any satanic worship or on the property there's never been any deaths on the property um so like, i get why you would want to clarify that if you lived there and you were like especially when people are like let's break in because yeah. it's a haunted house like, and don't I come think, into my basement there's no satanic shit going on here please. yeah she wants to like lay down the law of like yeah. my house is just a house with a family in it leave us the fuck alone i get that um if you do want more information like more uh info info on like the true debunked story of bathsheba sherman um there is a blog spot page that has all like so much information someone like really researched bathsheba um it is dreaming casually also i love that i'm like bathsheba's from the bible and it's like bathsheba sherman (laughs) the least biblical last name is that jesus's last name wait a minute (laughs) might be king solomon sherman i didn't know that anyway anyway so they uh if you want to learn more about the true story or like how the the movie version versus the real version you can go there there's a lot of information so um that being said in terms of the nuts and bolts of it lorraine says that the conjuring one was actually an excellent interpretation of the investigative part of the story okay and then the older sister uh what's interesting is that so i i've been saying this whole time that she also agreed that the place was extremely haunted um, and like this stuff was definitely going on there, but in terms of the movie, she disagrees with Lorraine and that it was an accurate interpretation. She actually says, quote, it was so distant that it might as well be two stories with the characters just sharing the same names. Wow. So Wait, who, oh, this is the sister. Yeah. So, okay. um, in the parent family, they all include in the, in the Warrens, they all agree that something really fucking spooky was going on there. But in terms of the movie, Lorraine says it was accurate and the parents say it wasn't. 
I'm not gonna lie. I kind of am inclined to believe the family that lived it, but I yep. I you know especially uh, if they're saying it was haunted, it just wasn't like that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but I think and maybe they because she was a kid at the time, um, mm. and so maybe she just didn't see. I think in the movie or maybe in real life, I I have not researched the story in a long time, but I would imagine if children were involved, the Warrens had them like leave and go to grandma's for a while when they were doing like real intense investigations. (laughs) So maybe Lorraine is saying like, in terms of the investigation, this movie was super accurate. And the kid who wasn't there because she was taken out of the situation. She was at grandma's pool. Yeah. Who knows? Or maybe like we should believe the family or maybe we should believe the Warrens. I don't know. But just giving you every potential. Interesting. Um, Fun fact, though, about the Conjuring movie, uh, about the parents' story, that movie, which none of the movies portraying the Warrens, Ed Warren ever saw. He passed away before the movies were made. Oh, wow. But, but the film that he always said would make a great movie was what became The Conjuring. Ah, uh, well, he called it. <laughs> and so even before the movie existed for him to give an opinion on it, he always did say that the parent family haunting would be, of all their cases, the one that should be a movie. So wow. it must have been really freaky in real life for him in some way to think like that's the one um so fun fact he kind of just like manifested that one day it'd be a movie and it was the first conjuring movie and it's been a big hit huh like didn't you say the series is almost as big as king kong or something it's the it's the second largest horror franchise other than godzilla Godzilla. Okay, close. Which has been around longer, so I'm just gonna give them like seniority on that. Years or something. (laughs) So, uh, just like how they run the New England Society of Psychical Research, there Mm -hmm. is a New England Skeptical Society. They're arch. That's fun. They're arch rivals. Which, by the way, sounds it's like spelled out like Nessie almost. Oh, that's that's fun. Little twist. I love that. Well, Ness, but close enough. Little Ness, and so. the president of the New England Skeptical Society named Stephen Novella says that the Warrens never seem to ever have any evidence that would stand up to rigorous scientific testing and most of it not even to cursory testing. Oh, that's not So <laughs> Stephen is their nightmare, I think. Um, Stephen's a hater. <laughs> St- they think Stephen is like such a hater. Um And he also says, quote, despite Ed's insistence that he's engaged in scientific research, he continues to jealously hoard his alleged evidence rather than allow it to be critically analyzed. And it is necessary in genuine scientific endeavors as it is necessary in genuine scientific endeavors. Yeah. I mean, if he's saying I have evidence of this ghost and then they're like, "Okay, let's see it. And he's like, no, thanks. Yeah. Or like even. And I do think that's fishy, but I also think like maybe he got. I, again, I'm just trying to do the balance act here, folks. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. But, yeah. uh, you know, maybe after he showed, like, the Amityville picture, which should have been, like, in his mind, like, hard-hitting evidence, yeah, and everyone just photo, shat yeah. all over it, like, which, like, people had the right to shit all over it. Like, it looks like they literally just had a little boy in the house. Um, but maybe he was like, now I'm protective of my footage. I don't want people just yeah. trashing my hard I work, mean, you know? I totally get that, too, of, like, I guess then I, I would be, like, don't announce that you have all this great Yeah, evidence. in that case, like, <laughs> like, just say you don't have evidence, I guess. Or just, like, keep it on the DL, because I feel like it's kind of a weird look to say, oh, look, I have all this evidence, but you can't see it. Just trust me. <laughs> exactly. So one of the reasons I don't want, the one of the reasons I'm being so careful with the balancing act is because the Warren's only daughter, Judy, is still alive with us, and she seems like such a peach 
Um, and I, I don't want to, you know, say, no, no, no. I don't want to poo poo on her parents her who parents, no. aren't even alive to defend themselves. No, no. Um, and so uh, Judy actually did a, an interview with Den of Geek about her oh. parents and which is, it's a great interview. I'm not going to read everything, but there was one question that I wanted to read her quote from. Cool. And she was asked, what would you like to dispel about your parents? What's something that people always get wrong about them? And she does, she is completely, obviously, I know people can say bias, but she is on the side of her parents not being grifters, not being shady. Sure. <clears throat> she says, quote, that they were in it for the fame or money or anything like that. I think that was one thing that came up probably a lot. And I had, I had a hard time with that criticism. They were really, really trying and they always tried. After my dad collapsed and he was a full patient, he was a full care patient for five years he wasn't even really there. He was in the house, but you know, he wasn't there. My mom, she would take these calls in the middle of the night anyway and sit and talk to people. We wanted to change the house number so many times, but she wouldn't let us just so people could reach us. She'd Aww. sit and talk to you until the morning. Uh, she would sit and talk to people until they were comfortable enough to get back to sleep or uh, if they felt or if they felt, okay, this will work or we'll talk to you in the morning, she would get back to them the next day. So like a hotline. Yeah. So like if people were like scared and didn't know what to do about like a haunting in their house, the like Lorraine would just sit up and talk to people because they genuinely wanted to help people. So haunted hotline. That's very cute. Haunted hotline. I like that a lot. So so anyway, I mean, she, you know, I imagine she would know her parents better than anybody. And I'm sure she also feels the need to defend them. I think it's a a good angle to see. Yeah. And I again, I don't think Judy is wrong. I have 100% faith that Lorraine really did do that stuff. And I do also believe um, the Warrens when they say, like, we just wanted to help people. And if you just want to help people, but you also make money from it, I think that's fine. Like, I just, I don't know how, I don't know where the trickery comes in, you know? Yeah, it's hard to say where that line <laughs> showed up. True. Yeah, so, at all. Um, Judy, I, these are just three other quotes from the interview that have really nothing to do with anything, but I thought they were really precious. (laughs) Um, Or not precious. One of them was precious, but the three of them were all like worth noting. And one of them I thought was precious where she was talking about her dad. And she said, my father always talked about ghost stories in my family. So we had fantastic Halloween parties and we spent a lot of time walking around in cemeteries. And I was like, wow, you really had the life I wish I led. I was going to say, damn it, I'm jealous. Damn it, I'm jealous. And so another quote, uh, completely separate, is uh, she, they asked if if she was ever a skeptic to what her parents did. And she said she saw enough proof being around her parents that she couldn't have been a skeptic about what they did that she just like saw her own shit too many times after being around them and then they asked if she inherited any of her mom's gifts and um she said she might have inherited some of her mother's gifts but every time she has noticed something weird happening around her she backs away from letting herself be open to it but there have been Mm. times where she was able to like predict a death or things like that and she's been like i don't I don't need that. <laughs> She's like, I'm interesting. I've seen what it can do. At least, you know, it's it's an interesting <clears throat> angle to have the child of the parent or of the Warrens, but also to know that Judy's not like following in the family footsteps, but is still really like 
no, I believe like it's not like Judy's like now sign up for my <laughs> ghost right. course, you know. Which... Well, they asked the interviewer asked would there ever be like a legacy right. like someone in the family and she did say like oh, I think my grandson might be interested in it, but I'm not sure yet. I, I Interesting. guess Interesting. Her... Yeah, I wonder if it's going to pass through. <clears throat> I don't know. Interesting. So the next thing are the two lawsuits. In 2013 after the first Conjuring movie came out, there was a huge lawsuit with uh warner brothers that is it's not actually about the warrens it's just a conjuring lawsuit scandal which i'll talk about but it leads in it comes back to the warrens later okay so the conjuring one which was about the parent family haunting soon after the movie premiered one of the producers named tony de rosa grund tried suing Warner Brothers slash New Line, because New Line was the di- mm-hmm. the uh, division of Warner Brothers that filmed this. So Tony apparently owned the rights to like 8,000 case files of the Warrens. Um, Jeez. And he was... So the re- uh, people would be like, why does the producer happen to also conveniently have 8,000 case files of the Warrens. Yeah. So this guy on his own just happened to have 8,000 case files of the Warrens that he owned the rights to. And he agreed that out of those 8,000, he was going to license out 25 of them, 25 of the case files to Warner Brothers, Um, which, by the way, is like less than 1%. But he was like, here are 25 case files I think you could make a movie out of. Mm -hmm. You know, pick and choose whichever ones you want. But in return... Uh, I want I want to be paid a fee up like a uh, percentage of the movie, and I want producer credits, which so makes sense. That happens a lot in the movie world. Of like, if you own the rights to something, and a movie wants to make a film about it, if you yeah. give them, if you option out your rights, usually they will give you a producer credit because you were involved in the production of the movie, and you can often like have a say in yeah how, exactly. how the story goes, yeah. So he he gave them 25 case files to work with to make movies out of. Okay. Um, and Tony claims that in order to get around this agreement, though, like Warner Brothers didn't want him to... This is all alleged, and this is what Tony is claiming in okay. his lawsuit, is that the Warner Brother New Line division didn't want to give him producer credit, didn't want to have to pay him a percentage of the movie. And so to get around having to use any of his 25 cases... Um, while still writing about these movies without... Uh-oh. Yeah. They ended up using um, books that were written about the case instead. Oh, that's not fair. So they, instead of using, like, his official documentation, they were using books that authors wrote in as inspiration. So the story itself wasn't even factual. But if they were using that instead of his case files... They were technically making a movie about the book and not his official paperwork. Which is really s- <coughs> shady Sneaky. and, like, not legal, I don't think, because that's why so many production companies don't accept, like, blind script submissions, because they throw them away right away, because if they open it and then they happen to make a movie with the same yeah. uh, plot, then you have a right to say, you have my, you have your hands on my script, you're stealing it. Right. Which is why they, like, don't <laughs> accept them. So, like, if they're like, oh, we already have these, but we're going to go take the story from somewhere else like 
Exactly. I don't know. I think he has a case on his hands is what I'm saying. If that's true. If that's true. So the book that they used instead was The Demonologist by Gerald. Okay. Ger- so I, it's weird because I mentioned Gerald Brittle separately earlier. I was and waiting I, for him to come back. You told me I'd know him by the end. <laughs> so Gerald Brittle, I used, I talked about him earlier because he wrote a book about the Arnie Cheyenne Johnson case. Oh, okay. But he also wrote the book that I mentioned earlier, The Demonologist, that talks about how Catholic the... Uh, uh, the family, the Warrens were. Right. <clears throat> so he happened to write two books that I'm mentioning in these notes. But so he um, he wrote the Arnie Cheyenne Johnson one. We'll deal with that later. But he wrote the 1980 book, The Demonologist. And that is where Warner Brother Newland was getting their information from okay. instead of Tony's official documents. So from the get-go, if they're going to make a movie based off of an, inspir- an inspired book and not the official paperwork, the movie's already not going to be super accurate. Sure. Or that, that could be the fear. Um, and this book hinted that, uh, 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 also Gerald Brittle had written before that, like, this book hinted at the Enfield, uh, them being involved in the Enfield investigation, even though that was barely true. Um, Mm. this book was used for a few of the movies because they talked about The Conjuring, they talked about, um, or they talked about the Perrin family haunting in it, they talked about the Enfield poltergeist, but all of this book kind of implies, like, like some of the grifty things of like oh the it implied that they were at the Enfield Polter it never said that they were grifters or anything like that but people will use information from this book as reasons that they think the Warrens were phonies so um for example in the book it said like oh yeah the Warrens were involved in the Enfield Poltergeist case but really they were only there for a day and so this Mm. book itself just to give you an idea of how it's not 100% factual right and that's what Warner Brother was working off of. So Tony okay. was pissed that he was like, I literally gave you the rights to these case files and you're not using them. Yeah, that's um, shitty. If that's true, it's shitty. So basically, um, Warner Brothers chose not to use his totally accurate, uh, chose to use this not totally accurate book as inspiration for a movie instead of using the actual files in the case so that they could get around paying Tony for the rights. That's that's pretty <clears throat> shitty. Allegedly. <laughs> if it's true. If it's true. <clears throat> Um, also, this makes their based on a true story disclaimer even more false because the movie Ugh. was based instead more on a loose interpretation of a true story. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember we learned that in grad school that like it's based on a true story does true story based on a true story. Yeah. They're all like varying degrees, but they like don't really mean they're <clears throat> they don't mean anything. <laughs> no, they don't mean anything. There's no like way like to based really... on a true story. Like here's a story. One time I ate a Chipotle burrito and then my face exploded. That's that's. <laughs> That's a story I told, and now you can write a movie based on a story. You know, like it's <laughs> like it, it's it could okay, be it's a true story. Em, come on, bring it back down to earth. You don't know. You ate what my life looks like. There was a cockroach, so I'm gonna tell a story about how there's a burrito that you ate, and there's a cockroach, and then your face exploded. But it's based on a true story of you fighting. You know what I mean? I feel like you can like spin a base. You can on a take true story. you can take one true fact and then completely unravel it into a completely different story. And yeah, it's, it's and then you could say based on a true story. Well, and then when it says inspired by a true story, that's them saying like we weren't even allowed to say based on a true story. Yeah, <laughs> so we had to take a step back and say inspired by a true story. That so was even less accurate. <laughs> so anyway, the based on a true story thing was like even more false than before yeah that's kind of icky so the official lawsuit that tony brought to warner brothers is because since since they avoided using his official documents but made a movie about the information anyway he thought that he should be paid 
because they were still using information that like they really shouldn't allegedly they shouldn't have used if without using his rights yeah. or without bu- he, like, paying handed for his it rights. to them um and so uh on top of that they were still making or they had plans to like make sequels too like not Aww, doing the not same good. thing <laughs> and he was like i want to be paid my fair share in profits for the sequels as well so at the same time uh that that's happening uh gerald brittle who wrote the demonologist and they used that book instead he is now suing warner brother and uh, new line for 900 million dollars <gasps> For ripping off his book, because I don't know if so they I, didn't get the rights to that either. I don't know. I what don't, on earth? It doesn't sound like it. What are um, they doing? So, and also to just to remind you, like e- whether they were using Tony's uh, twenty-five case files that he was leasing out to them, or if they used Gerald Brittle's The Demonologist. Either way, they were now making a movie franchise or starting up a movie franchise that would one day cost. Or uh, make over a billion dollars. So, Holy like, mother of God. So uh, Warner Brothers slash New Line, they were fighting Gerald Brittle by saying, like, yeah, we used your book as this movie concept. But even though you say we were ripping off your story, Warner Brothers says, quote, no one has a monopoly on telling stories about true life figures and events. That's so, not even true, though. Like, if he wrote the book and they're using the book, that's not even true, Warner <clears throat> Brothers. You know that. So they apparently, he, they're saying, like, you can tell a story about the Warrens and we can tell a story about the Warrens. And we, you know. But we're telling the story that you told first? Like, no. I Yeah, I don't totally understand. Um, if this is true, again, allegedly, that really irks me. Blows. So uh, Gerald Brittle, who, the writer of The Demonologist, he then says... The story wasn't even accurate because the Warrens told, or this is um, <clears throat> just like more awkward proof, by the way, going back to the potential grifting or the potential like f- oh. faking everyone out because Gerald Brittle, it came out in the lawsuit where he was like, yeah, you used my book, but guess what? My book wasn't even accurate because, uh-huh. <laughs> because apparently when he wrote the story about the Warrens and the demonologist, he thought that his information was right, but the Warrens later told him that the information wasn't true. So, right. So that's exactly the point. It's like they're telling his story because his story was already a spin from what actually happened. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. Whatever. So I don't. And to be fair, with he, I don't know if the Warrens told him that everything wasn't true, but he ended up finding out later with different evidence right. that the book he wrote ended up not being accurate. So he he thought he was writing like a true, uh, a more true version of the Warrens, and then later found out it wasn't true. And then Warner Brothers used that book anyway. So exactly. it was. So they were originally given twenty five. Allegedly, they were allegedly. given twenty five case files to pick from with all the accurate information of what those investigations looked like. Instead, right. they picked a loosely inspired book, which claimed to be true, and then after everything, found out that it was even less true. So right. right. Anyway. And they can't say, oh, we didn't use the book. Cause it's like, well, then why do you have all these random facts that are only in the book that right. aren't even based on reality? Yeah, that's So baloney. he ends up claiming, uh, the Gerald Brittle, he claims that Warner Brother used the book's false narrative for the inspiration. Uh, it all goes along with, like, Tony's claims of, like, yeah, 
I mean, we get it. We get it. Anyway. I get it. I get e- it. Experts say that Warner Brothers was within their rights because they used the disclaimer at the end. Not that it was based I on a true story, that. but they used a, another disclaimer at the end of the movie to say that the story was dramatized. Um, oh, come on. You could so it kind of excused them of like, none of this was accurate. Like So many loopholes, man. So this is where it gets really not cute for the Warrens. Uh-oh. Okay. So in the middle of this lawsuit, I don't totally understand how this happened. I don't understand what what steps happened for this to come out as information. But during this legal battle, further information surfaced in 2014. So a year after this lawsuit started, more info is coming out. And somehow it surfaces that there is this woman named Judith Penny. Okay. Okay. And Judith Penny, in a sworn declaration, a year after this lawsuit comes out, information that she says in this sworn declaration says that in 1963, when Ed was in his mid-30s, he began a relationship with her and she was 15. <gasps> With the consent and full knowledge of his wife, Lorraine. What? Again, I don't know if this is true. I'm just stating what happened or what I know. I had no idea about this. Me either. So now I'm this part alone. I'm like, is this what people wanted me to cover? Like I'm in which case, like, wouldn't it have gone to you? Because it's more true crimey. No, I assume people just want you to because they're such famous, like paranormal figures. I assume people just wanted to hear the. They probably don't even, I mean, not everybody probably even knows. So, like, right. that's why they want you to cover it. So, anyway, if people were wondering how the Warrens might be controversial. Well, this I is, get it now. This is the closest thing I could find to it. So, Judith Penny uh, says that when Ed was in his 30s in 1963, he began a relationship with her uh, when she was 15 with the full knowledge and consent of his wife. And his daughter's name is Judy, right? Like, that's kind of That weird. is something I was going to mention later. Oh, okay. His daughter <laughs> is also named Judy. Yes. Yeah, it's like, that's a little odd, and, but okay. And she was, to be fair, I was like, oh my God, was the baby born after this? And the baby was named Judy, like, because of her? That's no, what the, I was wondering. The baby, Judy already was born. <clears throat> so it, it's just a coincidence that he Judy's ended up. already born. Okay, got you, got you. Got it's you. just okay. coincidental that this person's name is also Judith. Okay. Um, she met him when he was a city bus driver because uh, at that time they were getting into the ghost paranormal world, but they weren't able to survive off of that. So he was doing sure. other odd jobs. So he was a bus driver. And I think he was picking her up from high school, homie. I was about like, to say, tell me it was a school. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, and their relationship, according to her, which I guess, thank God, she says the relationship was amorous. And she wanted this relationship. I know she was 15. It was a sexual relationship, which means it was rape. Um, But at the very least, I rest easier knowing that she was not, uh, according to her, forced into this. You know what I I mean? It was like, it's still not good. It's still not okay. It's still not okay. But at at the very least, like, she wasn't like, this wasn't wasn't a violent violent forced situation thing. Right. I got you. Ugh, it's not good. This is not good. If this is true, this is not good. If, if it's true, not it's true, really it's bad. still not good that this is this information is floating around. No. Um, uh, also, side note, I wanted to take a moment and educate the two of us. I feel like we have been interchanging. And sorry, these are trigger warning words. Um, S-A-N, the R word. Um, but... 
I think a lot of times I have felt uncomfortable saying the R word rape because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to trigger anybody if that is something they've had to go through. But uh, I have also seen floating around the internet that calling it sexual assault is downplaying it. So um, I am just, I don't know what the right words to say are because I don't want to say something that is downplaying a situation, but I also don't want to trigger anyone's trauma. So, but I I have seen... To be fair, like my story is almost (laughs) very often cover rape anyway and sexual assault. So it's like... I hope I'm not offending anyone by saying the word rape, but I do want to make sure that it would be clear that a man yeah, in his yeah, 30s yeah. sleeping with a 15-year-old is, statutory at the very rape. least, statutory yeah. rape. Right. Um, allegedly. So uh, she does say that their relationship started when she was 15. It was, quote, amorous. It was also sexual. And many times he allegedly told her that she was the love of his life. Um, Judy... Okay. Judith, Judith also, um, this is where it gets kind of crazy that like, you would think this is like a one and done situation. Judy, Judith, Judith literally moved into their house. What? And stayed in a room across the hall from them. And he would switch rooms every other night (gasps) for which bed he was going to stay in. like some medieval shit. So over the years, she ended up moving out of the bedroom and into her own space that was built onto the house, and she lived with them for 40 years. Sorry, four zero? Four zero years. Did we not, like, know this? It's just, like... Since Judith was 55. Wait, Which means eventually... So, uh, so no, sorry. Until she was fifty-five. Oh, until, so from holy from fifteen shit. to fifty-five, right? Till he dies, probably in his like eighties or nineties. They broke up three years before he died. Shut up. So for his whole, that's not good. I I don't I don't know where. I mean, it's not good that it, from fifteen to eighteen, it certainly wasn't good. But I mean, if you're there in three or fifties, like, was it at that point a legitimate relationship, or was I she? I don't know because I feel like if it starts off as like was she a manipulative, like, like, yeah, lured into this because like I as also a minor, yeah, and I I don't think it, I I'm trying I, I'm in real time trying to figure out what words I want to use, but I do understand. I'm I'm not giving this any backup that there like it started in rape okay right but i do want to say like i don't want the concept of us being grossed out that someone can happily have multiple partners like if this was a thing where like they were polygamists uh, polygamists or they were into polyamory sorry yeah uh if they were if they believed in multiple partners and were happy that way awesome but it is not good that this started with a 15 year old child no (laughs) yeah so I don't think any anyone that, uh, you know, chooses polyamory for themselves is, you know, going to be offended. They're not the same thing. No. Yeah, I don't think they claim that story. But I also no, want to no, say, no. like, we're not grossed out at the concept that, like, he had two partners if no. they were both adults and, like, cool with I it. I think it's awkward that he, his daughter and his 15-year-old partner had the same name. Yes, but, that, you know, that's besides the that's point, That's also odd. And it's not a cute look that... Um, she start. She was that young. It's not cool that Lorraine was also cool with it. Yeah, what on earth is that about? Yeah, I don't know. Like, if you're gonna, like, have, like, a secondary partner, then, like, go find someone who's not fucking 15. A child. Who um, rides your school bus? What? Who, yeah, right? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Did Judy, the daughter, ever say anything about this? We will get there. Oh, God. So, okay. 
Um, if people ever asked who she was, because she literally lived in their house for four zero years, um, if she if they ever asked, people would say she was a niece or a neighborhood girl that they took in, which makes See, it that's real shady. Of, that's yes, re- that's sketchy in and of itself. Like they like, knew better. They knew better. They kn- it, right allegedly. Like, if this really happened, well, and they I want to be better. clear here too. This is not <laughs> under Catholic. Uh huh rules okay so uh-huh. he's claiming to be a devout catholic well he's not doing a great job of it bingo bango christine Damn. um but yeah if you have to lie about who they are you know better right there's something shady oh yeah unless it's like you're protecting so but but this is not 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 in this case no no not so good. apparently in this sworn declaration <sighs> if uh at at some point, someone noticed that she was really young and not their child and was living with them and called the police. <gasps> and the police tried to get her to formally admit it. And when she wouldn't, they sent her to a juvenile center for a month. And oh, then she had geez. to do, like, meetings after that. But, like, even Ed drove her to the meetings. <gasps> like, it was weird. It's weird. I don't like it. No. In 1978, when she is a whole ass woman, by the way, in her 30s, she got pregnant with him. Oh, okay. And Lorraine apparently made her get an abortion because <gasps> it would make the Warren name look bad. Because in 1978, this was their prime peak fame. Oh, my God. This just gets worse and worse. Which, by the way, also not very Catholic in abortion. No, um, actually, the opposite, like the literal opposite of Catholic. But in 1978, that. they were like, they could not have been more at the peak of their fame. So this was going to be like a real crisis for PR. Allegedly, this is all that happened, just so you know. Um, so Judith, this actually makes it even more sad, is that Judith, there's a quote about this ex- this moment in time. And Judith said, quote, they wanted me to tell everyone that someone had come into my apartment and R worded me. (gasps) And I wouldn't do that. I was so scared. I didn't know what to do, but I had the abortion. And that night they picked me up from the hospital after having it. And they went out to a lecture and left me alone. This is so fucked up. This is bad. Again, allegedly, but also, wow, so fucked up. Really bad. Really sad. So fucked up. Um... Now I'm understanding why people were like, hey, like, maybe cover the Warrens and learn something about the Warrens, like, just oh before God, you're always no talking clue. about them. So I had no clue either. I had no clue. So I've seen The Conjuring. I'm so like, oh, so, God, I went to the so bright eyed and bushy tailed. I know. Yeah. Last week eyed. you sounded so happy. Um, uh, so well, this is what I do to you every week. So I yeah. guess it's punishment. <laughs> I just strung it out for a week. So um, my thought this whole time was why first of all why did Lorraine allegedly agree to this when she was when there was a 15 year old that her husband wanted to sleep with like and then move in with them I think by the way she moved in when she was 18 just to clarify okay well that's good I mean good not good but it's like at least I also wonder if Lorraine didn't totally know until she was 18 I don't know I don't know because I don't want to I don't know I just I'm throwing that out there that she might have been fine with it because she didn't know how early it started. Um, Just putting that out there as a potential. Um, But also, here's another reason that Lorraine might have been okay with it. Quote, okay with it is Judith says that Ed was abusive and uh, would beat Lorraine sometimes until she was unconscious. Fuck me. Are you serious right now? And said that they thought 
she thought they might kill each other. So he's just a bad guy, allegedly, according to her angle. She's, allegedly a bad, a bad guy, especially because, and then like, but then I'm so thrown because in like other documentaries and videos I saw, they are not only painted as like some people who are so in love and like, there's no way that that would be the behind the scenes storyline, but even like, well, I guess if this is true and she was the victim, she could just be saying things out of fear. Yeah, I mean, but she, it, it always seemed like her and the kids and everyone were always like, they were so in love. Like, I want that relationship. So who, I don't know. I don't know, but it's, it's, this is very, this is only, and I'm not trying to, if this really did happen, I feel so bad for this person. However, it is one person um, who was saying I couldn't, there was no other information alluding to abuse or anything like that, that I saw except for this one, so this is um, one angle declaration. Right. This yeah. is one angle. Yes. Um, and if this is what really happened to Judith, I, I totally eat my words and I'm so sorry this happened to you. Yes. Um, so anyway, all this information came out, uh, because of the conjuring lawsuit with Tony's <sighs> producer rights and Tony, what have you done? <laughs> Tony's producer rights and um, Gerald Brittle with the demonologist suing them at, I think at the same time they were dealing with these two things. And Jesus. I, my question is like, how the fuck did these two people get this information from Judith? Like, how did that happen? Like, I don't know where it came from. This information is kind of ha- fell out at the same time. And I, I think it was, their way of saying like well did you know all of this stuff and how bad the warrens are why would you even want to write stories for these people or make movies about these people did lorraine die before judith came forward uh she was so she was in her 90s and had like really intense dementia i think maybe it was a scenario where like she finally felt comfortable to maybe and it was like in the news and maybe she just wanted to put her story out or who knows yeah so so um i'm gonna mention this a little bit later but she so lorraine was alive but i don't think she was capable of saying anything like i don't think so yeah i don't know that's why judith wanted to like share her piece finally so according to tony uh (sighs) the warren's daughter judy the daughter yep um she apparently lived with her grandma while judith lived at the house for 40 years which uh so and judith does say in her declaration she says i was the only girl who lived there and this was confirmed by the daughter too in uh separate interviews where she said that she lived with her grandparents because it is convenient that her name was the same so they didn't (laughs) maybe mix it up (laughs) yikes well she apparently uh because her parents were always traveling for investigate investigations and the lecture circuit and all this, it was she just lived with the grandparents, and so she was never there. And that so that does confirm the fact that Judith was there by herself. So, um, do we have any proof that like they did have this Judith person living with them? Like, do we know that for sure? Just testimony. Okay. Just just hearsay. There's no like census records from 19. Oh, I don't know. Actually, I'm sh- there. Maybe I should have looked that up. I don't know. That's actually not that bad because I do have an ancestry account. So yeah, now I'm going to go check. I have check. a newspapers.com. I don't. My brother does, but I use it. So if we, we can, we'll we go check for sure. But then also, you know what it would say? Judy Warren, if they were trying to, which was their daughter's name. It would say Judith Warren if they were trying to just excuse that she was a distant relative, right? That's true. If they were lying, I mean, yeah, you're right. They said they, she said that they lied about it, her identity. Yeah. So, yeah, and it would wow. say literally the same name as the daughter. So what was her it name? just Judith said something. Ju- Judith 
Um, uh, Judith Penny. Penny. Wow. Well, now we're gonna go get real investigative in a second, but I'm I'm like itching to figure this mystery out. Conspiracy. Well, let me. I'll I'll finish. I'll finish with this part then, and just say, um, Judith Judy Warren, the daughter, states mm-hmm. that Judith actually. Oh, I'm so sorry. I I forgot. There actually is a little bit of proof that she lived there. Oh, so, okay. A little bit. Um, Judy Warren does state that Judith was taken in as a house sitter when they were not around. So when they were traveling, she stayed there. Um, just to take care of like picking up the phone and things like that the plans um they also say that judith um wouldn't have been uh this is judy warren saying like yeah she was a house sitter but she also wouldn't have been with ed because she had a boyfriend for years who she later married but then again like if ed was married and with somebody like she could be engaged with someone so whatever so judy's um, saying that's not true is what we're, we're judy says at. it's not true she did live with them but it she was does as know a, of her and it was at, as a house sitter and it, that was it so at least it's not just a random person off the street trying to get in on the story like it's an actual yeah judith just says it was with the family judith just says it was much more i guess she's saying it was more sinister that part about the abortion makes it sound like it was oh it bad. sounds terrible yeah yeah, yeah. um and so in after this all fe- came out about like the Warren's character, Tony, who is fighting with them for the producer rights, he said, quote, Ed was a pedophile, a sexual predator and a physically abusive husband. Lorraine enabled Ed to do this. She knowingly allowed this illegal relationship to continue for 40 years and they lied to the public. Wow. That's a bold, big, bold statement. And wow. Tony tried to threaten. And this, by the way, this email went to like warner brother top executives like the president of new line i think or something like it, or something on that level like so people knew about this as the conjuring movies were coming out and this was they were in the middle of making the sequel like they and they ended up um apparently at one point tony even said like if you are going to make a sequel first of all i want my fucking money yeah and he also said um excuse me he also said that he had promised Judith that he would come to the top execs and as his with his rights as a producer, which they were not giving him. He was like, first of all, I want to be made a producer. And then from there, I want to tell you that you need to rewrite the narrative of Ed and Lorraine's love story in the movies, because in the movies, they are known as like very wonderfully in love and no abuse, no signs of abuse. And so he was like, as a producer, I would want you to be more accurate with their relationship. Um, and he was writing this like top execs of like, if you're going to keep doing this, at least make it mm-hmm. accurate. Blah, 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 blah. Um, wow. And Tony tried to threaten the exact executives that he, uh, that he was suing that if he didn't do this, if they didn't do this, if they didn't change the story up or pay him his rights or, you know, handle Gerald Brittle or whatever it was, then Judith would come forward to the media about the story like if they didn't, if they didn't settle, Judith was going to it come out publicly about what the Warrens were up to. Oof. As you're in the middle of writing a sequel about the Warrens, and how in love they are, <laughs> yeah. Yikes. And the lawsuit said that the studio ignored the truth about these people, quote, to protect its billion dollar franchise. Well, sure it did. Of course it so, did. Um, Warner Brothers slash New Line, their attorney says that Tony was, quote, just pushing the story of the Warrens' personal lives as part of a vendetta to win his case. And Lorraine, this is kind of odd. 
and it does it's a, not a cute look Uh-oh. apparently um when we're all wondering like is this true is this not true like what like what what version of the movie of the book of judith's story what yeah. what's going on <clears throat> it is interesting to note that since lorraine was still alive when the conjuring came out and probably was put on as a producer or some sort of consultant or whatever it was she had a contract with the films with a very weird and not common caveat like a stipulation or something a stipulation in her contract that (gasps) the portrayal of the warrens would quote never be presented in a light where they were quote engaging in crimes including sex with minors (gasps) child pornography prostitution or sexual assaults what and neither the husband nor wife would be depicted as partic- participating in extramarital sexual relationships. That was in the fucking contract. That was in her contract. And that. there was like, and there were like talent agents who were like, that is not a common, that's not normal. Holy crap. That's shady. If that's, it's, it's do we very, know that for sure. It's apparently in there and oh, it's very, God, I don't know. I'll weird. say allegedly just to, you know, cause I'm not, I'm not sure. I haven't looked at the contract, but this is written up in the, uh, I think the Hollywood reporter. Right? So, oh, well that's a fucking source. Wow. I, I, I think it was the Hollywood reporter. There was this, this was the whole expose I was talking about. So wow, um, talk about a fucking expose. And so it's very specific language for a contract. Um, yeah. if there wasn't something they were trying to cover up, and it's unclear if Warner Brothers like took them seriously or did took any action, but they did make the couple in the sequel still look very much in love, and they like completely ignored the request to change it up. I mean, I guess that would take away from the story anyway, so I don't right. see why they didn't want to. It's shitty. I see as a director how you wouldn't even really want to focus on the relationship yeah. at all. <laughs> so it doesn't seem relevant. I mean, in the for a ghost story for for yeah for a poltergeist story um so judith apparently again i don't know if this was some stockholm syndrome shit but um judith did actually stay friends with ed after they broke up in 2003 and then for those judith did judith stayed friends with him (gasps) after they broke up 40 years later um and he died in 2006 she was never close with lorraine which does not shock me um so that's it, basically. Let me. Wow, uh, I had no idea. I also had no idea. And if this really? is what people were talking about, I get it. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they did anyway, a good job not getting this out there. <laughs> yeah. If it's so, true, you know. Anyway, so there's that, <laughs> and I don't know. You know, do what you want with it. Take that information, and I. I don't. Again, all of this was alleged although it was like a massive expose where all this information came out and i don't know how much of it was just to make warner brothers try to redo their contracts or use yeah. producer rights and things just kind of surfaced i don't know what the deal is but that is apparently you know how like did any is it still in progress or like i never found out how it ended up settling no do it, you know I, when that expose was written by 2017 any oh okay i think so still pretty recent yeah I don't know. Um, it didn't, as far as I saw in the article, I didn't see like a, this is what everyone settled on. I, th- I don't, I, I don't know. I don't, honestly don't what even. What a fucking story. 
I mean, yeah, December 13th, 2017 is when that expose came out. It's, if you're interested, uh, Hollywood Reporter. I looked at, by the way, I looked at a bunch of other articles too, but this was like absolutely the, the most meaty of information. Uh, Hollywood Reporter does some good stuff. It's called War Over the Conjuring, the disturbing claims behind a billion dollar franchise. I had no clue. I mean, I don't know anything about horror movies or whatever, but wow. Yep. So Who there you thought? There is that. If I do watch those movies, I won't. But if I do, I'll have a different spin on these two lovey-dovey old people involved. Or I know. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. And it also, again, it was kind of that thing we always talk about with your stories of, like, was someone who was a victim of abuse, like, more in trouble for enabling the abuser's behavior with someone else? Sure. Like, but so for Lorraine, I don't know what her story is. And she, unfortunately, was... Uh, like, they, they had a lawyer, a family lawyer, who all said, like, this woman did house it for them. Actually, the in the book, The Demonologist, apparently she was even mentioned as, like, oh. someone who, like, took a message on a phone call at one point. So there's, like, written proof that she lived there. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know what Lorraine's story was. I don't know if she found out once the girl was 18. I don't know if she was getting abused and, like, didn't have a say. I don't right. know if that she was... Right, that changes the whole thing. I don't exactly. know if she was for all we know she was like super money hungry and was like you can't ruin our family name but also it could have been like you can't ruin our family name because then ed's gonna be pissed at both of us or something right if if she was a victim of abuse also that changed the whole dynamic of like you can't blame yeah it's yeah oh my god what a fucking and also like if you're with somebody for 40 years is that a valid relationship if the first three were you being statutorily raped you know like i don't know i don't know where the i don't know I don't know. It's don't a, it's very tricky stuff. So it's like a, an ethics course conversation. Yeah. yeah. Whew. Wow, Em. You really you really got uh, me Again, let me here. put this all under the blanket of all of this is alleged because uh, yeah. I don't know enough to make a firm stance. Yeah. Wow. What a story, though. Either way. I mean, just even the I lawsuits don't know. alone. I know. I don't know how you do this every week, Christine, talking about crime like that. Oh, my God. I have like, I'm like, I have a migraine. You know, when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind, especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things. But Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts just go to stamps.com click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code drink 
it feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room. And so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. Prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, Amethy. Well, I have part two as well for you this week. Do you, do you remember <gasps> oh, our story? Fo- Foxy Noxy. Foxy Noxy. You oh, remember. Oh, my goodness. And so, wait a minute. Foxy Noxy. So, last I... Oh, <laughs> I just remembered how mad I was it's really about stressful. everything. It's a stressful wow. story. All right. Well, I went from like a 10 out of 10 to like a 3 out of 10 um, instantly. Okay. So, essentially, the last thing that I talked about uh, in last week's episode was this... Giuliano, you know, my arch arch nemesis, uh, Giuliano (laughs) Menini's description where he says, oh, it must have been a Halloween sex game, of course. Fucking guy. Oh, what's his last name? (laughs) Menini. It's M-I-G-N-I-N-I. I'm going to just call him the Meanie, Meanie, by the way, because I fucking him. Okay, right. Yes. Okay. So Mr. Meanie had this whole notion and and there was like this Taiwanese mock-up of like this 3D animated like where she walks in and she, uh, Meredith's like, oh my gosh, you have two boys here. How could you? And Amanda's like, I'll show you for judging me and then stabs her in the throat. And it's like, there's no evidence to support this. That's just his story that he came up with. And I guess that's where he stood and the police stood. Great. So that's the last thing uh, I covered. So now we're in January of 2009 and uh, Amanda and Raphael have been in jail for 14 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, their murder trial begins in Perugia. It's decided that the proceedings can be held with the media president, pre- president, with the media present, but there's no live television coverage allowed. Uh, okay. So six months later, June of 2009. What, six months later? Yeah, she's these not, things take forever, man. She's, she's not still in still jail. In... Oh, yeah. She's Last been there for 14 months. She... <laughs> now she's on trial, but like she doesn't take the stand for six months while the trial's happening this shit takes forever man what? it's not like the actual what happened to this she had to be in jail for like three months because she which like by the way was already horseshit <laughs> i thought it was just three months uh i don't know was it three months maybe i, I just know. wasn't thinking in my head i i i think maybe i added it up and i went that's not true that's not possible yeah I, uh, i'm trying to see if last I, I checked it was like that ruby guy he was in trouble right. and then they needed to wait three more months 
for oh right yes they were ordered to stand trial in three months um time uh-huh. but they'd already been in jail so <gasps> like this this oh, is oh no i didn't even process that yeah so yes exactly so Ugh. that was just a reference to at one point when rudy's trial was happening they had to wait for their trial three months later but they'd already been in there for like i don't know nine months or something so christine Chief. <laughs> now it's been 14 months the trial begins she takes a stand six months into the trial because this is like a huge case so yeah sucks fucking sucks. I... wow i'm angry wow okay yeah. and during all this it's just like blowing up everywhere that you know her sex narrative her diary is being exposed like she just can't get a fucking break oh my god um, i forgot about the hiv thing <laughs> yeah the, the HIV oh my thing. god and she did talk about it at one point like she felt so hopeless she was like i considered suicide like i just didn't know what to well, do yeah she's alone there her family's in a different country i mean it's terrifying it's terrible how is this legal how is this legal how is this how is this legal? I don't know. How if you're it- waiting trial and you're in jail, you're you're in jail even if you were found innocent after your trial. And you're but being you held. know, but she, but they proved they like they made it so clear that it wasn't that it wasn't her. Like, well, you're not gonna like the rest of this story then, because <laughs> I'm just gonna stop. I just have to accept. Oh. I just I forgot how angry I was. Yeah, it it's just, bad. It, it makes really my, keeps coming in waves. Makes my tum tum hurt a little bit. Um, whew. So she finally takes a stand at her own trial six months in. And as she's done already time and time again, she explained what happened that night. She had been at Raphael's house where she received a text message from Patrick Lumumba, her boss, saying she didn't have to come into work. She replied with the infamous text saying, see you later. Not literally, Mm -hmm. but that's how they took it. They then smoked weed, watched Amelie, had sex and went to sleep. And also they read Harry Potter. But that's, I guess, besides the point. In what was it in German. Italian and German? <laughs> yeah, they saw photos of like the scene, and there was literally a German. Uh, I have the German Harry Potter books, and I was like, "Oh, I have that book Fun. <laughs> sitting there." Um, so the next morning, she woke up and returned to her house, and that's where she discovered the body, called Raphael. Or she didn't discover the body; she saw the blood and the feces, called Raphael. Right. He called the military police. They broke down the door, etc. So when asked about her relationship with Meredith, um, her roommate, she denied any claims that they didn't get along. I mean, they went to the chocolate festival for oh God's sake. right i forgot about the chocolate festival <laughs> how could you forget about the chocolate festival I, I, because i just got so filled with rage oh yeah about everything else i'm gonna need a chocolate factory. festival after this my mom just got back from germany and she i said the only thing i want is milka chocolate and she's coming over later today and she's bringing me the chocolate <laughs> so you imagine if she forgets happy. I will literally make her turn, get back in the car, go get it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's not an option, M. Okay. Um, I'm very excited. Anyway, so when asked why she had signed this confession saying she was there and her boss did it, she explained that she'd only done it because she was put under this intense police right. like pressure. And 53 hours br- of duress. Yes. Yeah. Under duress. Brutality. They fucking hit her in the head. Um, and in the huh? prosecution. Yeah. I remember they like slapped her. No, I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. They slapped her uh, and said, remember. And they screamed. I remember them screaming, remember, remember. But I don't remember them hitting her in the head. Yeah, they physically, they they hit her in the head. It just Um, keeps getting fucking worse. Yeah, a man literally just slapped her. So, woof. Uh, uh Didn't let her get a lawyer, etc. And so she says, like, I only said it because I was under this, you know, pressure. And I felt deranged. Like, they were altering my conscious, my reality, blah, blah, blah. 
So in the prosecution, Mignini, who keeps being like, why would you say it if you didn't mean it? Uh, he he pushed the motive that Amanda killed Meredith as part of a sex game, as we know. Halloween um, sex game. Uh, to be specific, a Halloween sex game. Mm-hmm. Or an All Saints Day sex game, which doesn't sound quite as <laughs> quite as fun. Um, and of course, Amanda was like, and he says this had to do with Raphael and Rudy. Uh, and she was like the mastermind. And so of course, she's like, no, that's nothing. That didn't happen. We were mm. watching Amelie. <laughs> Leave me alone. Um, but the prosecution claimed Knox was sex crazed one quote lifted from Lumumba's lawyer who <laughs> i guess turned on her because she had initially implicated him so got it even though she was pressured into that like mm-hmm. she said he was guilty so his lawyer carlo pacelli called amanda a she-devil who loves wild sex and who knowingly lied to police to sidetrack the investigation. He asked the court, who is Amanda Knox? Is she the mild-looking, fresh-faced person you see here, or the one devoted to lust, drugs, and alcohol that emerges from the court documents? It's like, wow. She had sex with seven people, and you told her she had HIV. Yeah. And now she's like a she-devil who loves wild sex? What are you talking about? She's a she-devil because she had sex with her boyfriend one time, and that was one of seven men in her entire life. And she literally And also, she doesn't... She kissed him once. She doesn't have HIV, but we don't know that. And uh, she's the devil, obviously. And it's like, if this were a sex game, there were two other people involved. But of course, it's the woman's fault that she wrangled them in and they had no control. You know, it's just another fucking like horrible patriarchal look at this of like, oh, well, she was the ringleader. She was the witch who like controlled the men. And it's like, oh, so they had no fucking self-control and they stabbed someone in the throat. But it's her fault. Like just pisses me off um so to support their case the prosecution would refer to amanda and Raphael's behavior ever since the body was found aka their kiss the lingerie shopping the diary entries they said it was all part of her evil ways and then rudy fucking gede took the stand and rudy has already been convicted and Mm -hmm. sentenced to 30 years yeah and And he said he said something that he saw a silhouette of her yes so he's about to show up on stand and speak against Amanda. I guess, like you said, to like lower his own guilt in the case, to shorten his own sentence. Who knows? But he shows up and everyone's like, wait, what the fuck? This guy's already in prison for this. And now he's showing up. And so as reported by ABC News, the one person already convicted of the crime appeared in an Italian courtroom today and said he saw Amanda Knox leaving the cottage as her British roommate lay dying of a knife wound to the throat. He ended his statement by turning to the lawyer representing Kircher's family, uh, Meredith's family, Mm -hmm. and said, I want the Kircher family to know that I did not kill and did not rape their daughter. It was not me that took her life away. And it's like, your semen was found in her body. Right. You admit it. Like, um, Like your evidence was all, your evidence was, evidence was all over the place that your DNA was there. You were like. The bloody crime scene. He literally confessed to this, by the way. Like he, like, or he said that he was in the bathroom and then someone stabbed. He her said, when he was "Oh, in the I happened to be in the other room." Yeah. When somebody when and and he said, "Oh, Amanda wasn't there." And now he's on tri- on stand saying, "Oh, actually, she was there and she did it." And it's like you've already been convicted. Sit the fuck down, man. All the tiny little things that you know. All the oh, she wasn't there. Actually, she was there as a silhouette. Have has completely changed to i saw her in person and we talked. she was completely there and she was outside the window and she loves halloween sex games and yep. it's all her fault and he said i want he looked at meredith this is sick he looked at meredith's family was like i want the kircher family to know i did not kill and right. rape their daughter and it's like 
But like you did though. Like your evidence was inside her. Yeah, helmet. like yep. you did though. So I don't know. You've already been convicted of it. It's not even allegedly. Like you literally have been. You're in prison for it. Whatever. Right. Right. So, um, even though this was like a big gasp moment for the whole uh, crowd at the trial, uh, Knox's Amanda's legal team were like totally. They like got real fired up about this. And said, today does not affect Amanda's trial because no one believes Rudy Gede. He is not reliable. He is a liar. Hmm. Uh, even the prosecutor said this today. He has changed his stories, which, like, yeah, he had. Like, yeah, mo- so many times. Like, 180 <laughs> degrees. Like, he completely wow. changed the story. So the fact that anybody would be like, wow, what a hard-hitting testimony. It's like, no, mm-hmm. he's full of shit. He's just trying to get his jail sentence lowered. Yep. Um, so as Amanda's defense team pointed out, Gede's DNA was found all over the crime scene and on the victim, inside the victim. Um, Amanda's and Raphael's were only on select items like the bra clasp and the knife. And so then Amanda's defense team was like, how would Amanda and Raphael have cleaned up only their DNA, but left left everyone else's? Yeah, Yeah. it doesn't make sense. Unless you're able to wipe all the way around every little fingerprint and just... (laughs) Or like skin flake, like every little piece of uh, DNA that you would have left behind. They were able to clean up everything except Rudy's, which was all over the room. So it's like, that's a stupid argument. I love fired up Christine, by the way, because I know usually <laughs> you don't pick a side and now every other word is like, they're I'm so fully, stupid. I'm it's fully true. on her side because I just, I can't, I can't bring myself to nothing. None of this convinces me, I guess. Like they have yet to prove to me yeah, beyond reasonable doubt that she did anything, but whatever. And the bra clasp, even though it had Amanda's or I think it had, Raphael's DNA on it. It was discovered 46 days after the murder. What? And yeah, and they had not like co- cordoned off the crime scene. Like people were going in and out. Um, they were looking at multiple pieces of evidence at once. Um, Rudy and Amanda had not Rudy. Uh, Raphael and Amanda had been in and out. So like, it's entirely possible some of his DNA got in the room or her DNA got in the room without um, well, even her like having to she- be involved. Yeah, because it was the it was the knife, right? That she was like, I don't know how to explain that. Like, yeah, I don't, it's like I mean, like yeah, DNA just kind of travels, like mm-hmm. just that's the that's why we try to follow it for a crime. <laughs> and hmm, yours was there. <laughs> yeah, and 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 uh, Rudy's was all over the room. Amanda's was found in like very tiny, small, select places. Same with Raphael's. Um, and we're, we'll get back to the knife because that is just turns out to be a whole. Oh, God. Okay. Bunch of bullshit. But, um, right. So they're like, how on earth, DNA, which is untraceable to the human eye a lot of the time, how would they have selectively cleaned up only their DNA and left Rudy's? That doesn't make any sense. Um, They're not pinning it on Rudy with his DNA. And one of the guy, one of the forensic experts said something really interesting, which, because I never totally knew how, like you said, how easily DNA travels, but he said like, things as minuscule as skin flakes if you if you he said if you rub your arm in a room yeah. like they can find dna i learned this because i i because they say like 90 percent of dust is actually like skin particles yeah or something. i hate like, that fact it's something gnarly like that. it's always it's, in the same listicle where they say like you eat 25 bugs a year in yeah. your mouth when you're sleeping <laughs> god it's like it's like hey all the things you hate about living <laughs> Um, no, whenever I, whenever I think of how much of dust is actually skin, I think about it every time I sweep where I'm like, oh, this Cute. is just me, RJ and Allison's skin having a hug. That's why you hug. shouldn't sweep. 
with yeah, us. you know what? You're right. I just shouldn't do it anymore. I mean, I don't. So. But so I always think like, how the hell did all of this happen? And it's just got to be like, just you know, yeah. You just, just if you walk through, you. if your hair falls off you, if you end up like sweating or if you're crying or if you're spitting and you're talking i mean who knows but so it's not hard to get your dna spread out so if the bra class was found 46 days later after the murder and the crime scene hadn't been like cordoned off there could be any number of ways that the dna got on there so that's just not a fair argument um so on december 4th 2009 after 50 hearings while the so the trial had started in january um and 2009 yes and then she took stand in june and now oh. it's december <laughs> so this has been going on a full year um the trial and she's oh still my in jail God. <laughs> wait horrible. didn't this start in 2007 yeah that's when the murder took place okay but she's been in jail for a year well i think she's probably been in jail since the murder since she was arrested for the murder so so 2000, since 2007. July 11, 2008 was when she was arrested. So, so a year and a half. Yes, a year and a half. <gasps> that's yeah. like seven Whoa. That's, it's one of those things where like you, can't, you don't even have the words to explain my anger, but also like my, I, like I want to empathize so badly, but I, cu- I couldn't even begin to tell you where, how to feel it's, i couldn't can't imagine. grasp it no. I, it's, it, it is and that's insane. why i thought it was really interesting when she said like it's people's fear that this could happen to anyone that ma- makes them want to think i'm guilty because they don't want to think right like, oh well she's totally innocent the world is just fucked up and this just happened and it could happen to me or my daughter or... just stuck in jail for a year <laughs> and a half for something you didn't do well and, and like for, and not even not even getting convicted you're just stuck there you're just like waiting and i mean that's happens here too it's pretty you know that's just how it works it's, oh my god unless you're Ugh. out on bail you know i know but it's just one of those yeah it's also one of those things that not only i hope would never happen to me but i don't even think about it so for yeah why, when it, why would you right when all of a sudden it comes into my head that it's even a possibility exactly. that i'm like no no, no 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 in a foreign wow. country you're just like over there with your new love and like, that makes it so much worse for some reason like you're already in a horrible situation but on top of it you're there's a language barrier and so oh you just God. feel even like all you had left was language and now you language don't even have and that. culture yeah exactly you're just learning this new place wow it, it, and you're not even 20 you're 20 years old like i can't fathom like you're all like you're already so confused for how you even got in there but you can't even talk to anyone about it no no, and, and you write in a diary, and they literally put it in the fucking National Enquirer. Yeah, you so can't even like, write to yourself. You can't even talk to your fucking self. <laughs> the Daily oh Mail gets to share it with everybody. <sighs> so, yeah, so it's December now. So the, the trial, her trial has been going on for a year. Um, there have been 50 hearings. The whole world has been following this. Um, Amanda Knox and Rafael Solicito, Solicito, sorry, are convicted of the murder of Meredith Kircher. I want to say I'm surprised, but... <laughs> like that was where we were heading right like i i mean every, in every way they it's not their fault and yet they're in trouble so yeah it seems to be have sadly this zero percent shocks me yeah they haven't had any comeuppance yet i would say um so amanda sentenced to 26 years in italian prison and <gasps> 26 uh, years yeah i mean rudy was convicted and sentenced to 30 so you know the number of the set, the years in the sentencing is what shocks me more than the fact that she got I mean, she hadn't even <laughs> been convicted yet and she spent a year and a half. So I, I, that her get, being found guilty didn't shock me, but the amount of years is insane. 
Well, she, like, Tony, if they really believed she raped and murdered this girl, then, like, you know, they're going to give her a full Christine, sentence. please tell me she did not spend all 26 years So, in jail. So, well, she couldn't have, because this was in 2009, so, oh, you know, okay. even if... But You're right. Jury's out on... I'll, I'll update you on what happened, but... Okay. She couldn't have served all of it yet if she's still there, which I'll tell you whether she is or not. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, in 2000. So how many years she that would have been 25, 2025 she would have come out? No, 2009 plus 25 years. 35? Yeah, 35, something like okay. that. But she would have been like in her 40s or 50, like in her. I mean, she. it's, oh my God. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> she would have been like 40. Um, so. Uh, Amanda sentenced to 26 years. Raphael sentenced to 25. And on top of all this, Amanda and Raphael are, uh, are to pay Meredith's family $7 million <gasps> <laughs> in, like, wrongful death, I guess. Um, and also, wait, why did she get an extra year? Oh, because remember, she is, is a, is a hoe? The mastermind. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. she's a slut. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. Damn. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm not really sure, but, you know. Okay. Sure. She got an extra and seven million dollars. Yeah, they were ordered to pay that to Meredith's family, and she was ordered to pay Lumumba sixty thousand dollars for defamation, and which pisses me off because I'm like, they literally cornered her into saying that he was there. Like, so basically, the police just said, "Give us sixty thousand dollars." That's what I just heard. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> That's "What I just heard." You said a terrible thing about him. You should pay him money. And it's like you said it first. It's literally like I dare you to say horrible yeah. things and now also you owe him money because oh of wow what a terrible thing to say it's like wait a second you told me to say it yeah so backwards uh so the defamation charges continued as amanda appeared in court on june 1st 2010 uh facing more charges for saying that italian police beat her during an interrogation she said police used the threat of physical violence to intimidate and pressure her which led to falsely accuse lumumba of kircher's murder but officials deny these allegations and that's according to cnn so basically the police now took her in for def defamation for saying that they like hit her and like interrogated her in this horrible way. So now they're suing her and it's like, Christine, <laughs> it's Christine. Like, oh my God, this girl can't get a fucking break. Christine. I don't, I really, <laughs> I don't have, I don't have it in me to, I don't know how to, I'm so mad at that. Like, so I know. And I'm used to being mad at the American justice system, which is so fucked in its own way, but it's like, yeah, wow. I'm, now there's new things to be fucked up about a different country's judicial in, system. In my mind, like I'm always so mad at like, you know, what's going on over here. I like to think that everything is different in a, in another, in another space, but like they've got their shit handled. Well, and at not. least in this one case, that yeah. is not at all no. the fucking truth. I wow. mean, humans I'm are humans so are humans. Mad. I don't have much faith in, in a lot of, <sighs> um, this doesn't so the, help. So the, the police beat her and then, <laughs> they and then her. she says they, they hit me. And then they say, we're suing you for defamation. Yeah, how dare you say that? So they, I don't even know why this shocks me anymore. It's just b baffling. So they hit her in the head. They screamed at her. They keep her up for 53 hours, whatever. They they keep her. They don't let her sleep. They don't get her, let her get a lawyer. They speak to her in Italian. They they tell her she has uh, HIV. They make shit up. They, like, psychologically, you know, fuck with her. And then she finally caves, obviously, and says, yeah, okay, fine. This guy did it. And then they say, well, why did you say this guy did it? Why did you say that? And she's like, because you made me. And then they're like, well, we're suing you. How dare you accuse? You know, it's like, 
They're There's just like being cornered even, and cornered and cornered. I, I don't, like, I don't even know how you get to find peace or, like, get justice for How that. could like, you ever feel, like, right about anything? Yeah, I, I how do you tell. ever get justice again unless you turn into, like, a superhero and beat the living shit out of these people? Yeah, like, or you, you have to go to, like, a Buddhist temple and spend ten years, like, recovering. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm right. so angry that I can't fathom going through it and recovering mentally. Oh, my God. <sighs> I'm just oh always God. amazed how people get through shit like this. Um, so... She maintained her innocence, obviously, and on November 24, 2010, Amanda and Raphael began the process to appeal their conviction. So this is a whole nother year later. They're appealing the conviction now. Um, and as Amanda's oh lawyer, Luciano uh, Girga, commented, quote, rather than prosecutors having to prove she is guilty, we now have to prove her innocence, which is much more difficult to do. But they try. <laughs> so... Uh, June 27th, 2011, um, the appeals of Amanda, who's now 23, and remember this all happened when she was 20, so she's been in there for a long uh, time. She's been, she literally went for a year abroad, and now she's fucking stuck in a prison for years. Um, never, Raphael, if, when this is all over and she gets to go home, if anyone ever tells her, like, oh my god, like, I love living abroad, she has every she, right I, to just Do you know that I was wondering that, too. I was like, what happens if Can she's, like, watching TV and it's, like, a, a, Italy is on the screen? Like, I think I would be so triggered. I can't fathom how I would, would not. Cope. I would not be able to even probably have a TV or Couldn't even hear Italian. risk like, looking I would at be... a book. I don't know. I mean, like, imagine having a kid one day and they're like, I want to go travel abroad. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I know. Or, like, in history class one day and they're learning about Rome. You know, like, are you Like, oh, there's little Sorry. Gio. Speaking hey. of Italian, Giovanni loves to uh He's so bad. Be a little mouthy. You need to be quiet, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Good boy. Okay. Sorry. Yes. Um yeah, I don't know how you would cope. I I I got angry at Italy. I was like, I don't even have anything to do with I'm this. I'm like mad at all of Italy for some reason. Mad like, at Giuliano. Like, I don't even want to eat pizza for a whole day. Are you kidding for, me? Till tomorrow, probably. Like, <laughs> holy shit, that's how mad I am. I would be livid. I mean, truly, if I were her, like all jokes aside, like I could not. I no. would never be a. I would never be okay again. No, me neither. And like, you can't get peace because everybody knows your fucking name and. And You're, like just the rest while we're at it, throw a slut shaming fest on right, top exactly. of all of this. That's true too. Oh Your reputation's been more than ruined, like in every way imaginable. Um, so anyway, uh so she's appealing this and she's in court for defamation against Lumumba and the police. Um, they're appealing this a year and a half later. Uh she's twenty three, Raphael's twenty six, and the appeal begins with fucking rudy is back and he testifies against both of them (laughs) what does he have left to say what does what could come out of his like stupid little mouth bored like what like go sit down you're in jail stop you must be bored he's in jail i I guess so like fucking hell so i guess there's been more news about getty since since the last time he testified so according to bbc uh, this guy who was in prison named Mario Alessi, he was a convicted child murderer. Uh, he was in prison. Great. Great start. He was in prison with Rudy Gede. And I guess <clears throat> Rudy, uh, allegedly, according to Mario Alessi, told him a prison confession during recreation time at Viterbo Prison. 
And he said that Gede confided in him that Amanda and Raphael were innocent. And, oh. and so he's like, wait, this motherfucker told me that they had nothing to do with it. And ah, so okay. Alessi remembered Rudy links arms with me, inviting me to take a walk with him. He has something important to tell me. He said, adding that Gede was worried because I don't know whether to tell the truth or not. And that the truth all to is altogether different from what you hear on TV. So Alessi comes forward and is like, well, this motherfucker said that like Amanda and Raphael weren't even there. Like he right. told me this at recreation time. So then Gede comes forward and is like, that never happened. He's making it up, blah, blah, blah. And so Amanda, <laughs> Amanda comes onto the, takes a stand and she responds to these statements and says, she is shocked at what he said. And the only time that Rudy, Raphael and I were in one room together was in a courtroom. He knows what the truth is. I don't know what happened that night. So that's like, what else can you say? I mean, that's, yeah, that's honestly, all she at can this say. point, if I were even Amanda Knox, if someone ever came up to me and was like, did you do it after 26 years? I'd be like, what? Are, I don't, what's the point of me even giving you an answer? Like, why? What do you like, think I'm going to say? Be so beyond over talking over about it. this, because I'd be like, it's not like my freedom even matters anymore. I just got. 26 years of my life taken away from me so and like she doesn't matter she, what you think she has a very like striking like her eyes are very striking um and so she's very recognizable and mm-hmm. she said you know when she's like in a grocery store people will be like i know you and she's like i just all i want to she's like i ignore them but all i want to do is turn around and be like you don't know me like yeah stop. like like what do you know that i apparently have like sexy halloween parties like, like and then kill people like yeah you know? that i'm a murderous halloween know? witch uh sex Ugh. sex deviant yeah it's, that i kissed my boyfriend once like, yeah my harry potter boyfriend Ugh. anyway so she says like Listen, I don't know what the fuck happened that night. He's the only one who knows, and he knows that that's the truth. So, finally, forensic experts get involved and take all this old evidence, like the bra clasp and the knife, and they're going to run this through a whole new process of forensic analysis, which is great, because they're finally, like, reanalyzing everything to make sure everything's been covered. Uh, Spoiler alert, it has not been uh, properly analyzed. What a shock. So, two court-appointed experts testify... That the knife reportedly used in the attack contained no source of blood. There was no trace of blood on it, um, which they kind of implied there was. They said there was DNA on the knife, but they there was no blood on the knife. And there was no DNA on the bra cl- clasp that police used to implicate Raphael. So okay. these forensic experts are like, no, that's not even true. <laughs> like, there's that's just made up. Like, they just made it up. Um. So here's a point-by-point deconstruction. Uh, The experts say that because of the errors made by police during the original investigation, the evidence, all the evidence that they went over should be considered inadmissible. Uh, And yet it fully convicted them. So here are a couple things. Mm -hmm. There's this forensic expert named Dr. Carla Vecchiotti, and her job was to take the original DNA evidence and uh, reanalyze it for the new trial. And in the Netflix documentary, she said... Contamination was one of the issues raised at court. The bra clasp was found under a small rug 46 days after the murder. After 46 days, it's possible that other people could have brought DNA traces from the hallways or bathroom into Meredith's room. Mm-hmm. In fact, on the clasp, there's Raphael's DNA, but there are also there's also DNA of two unknown males as well. And ah. the police never even mentioned that there's literally you- evidence on her bra of two men. Oh, my God. It just never got brought up. Like, unknown men. Um, their oh. DNA was on the bra. So, 
a trace of Raphael's was found, but so were two other men. So it's like, wow, you conveniently wow. left that fact out. Ooh, so okay. she also says DNA must be objective. You can't interpret it for what you want it to be. And I must say there were also problems with contamination in the lab. The forensics police definitively identified Amanda's profile. You could see it very well. It was a good profile. But with regards to Meredith's DNA found, it was such a small amount, so scarce. When you have such a scarce DNA, the likelihood of contamination is very high. So with the knife, she said that Amanda's DNA was on the knife, which was at Raphael's house, which makes sense if she cooks there and she hangs out at his apartment and they have dinner together, whatever. It makes sense that her DNA would be on his knife. But she said when they said they found Meredith, that is not provable. It was such a small amount that it can't be certain it was actually Meredith's DNA on the blade of the knife, which Mm. was the one thing Amanda said, like, I can't explain why that would be there. And now this expert's like, no, we can't say that's her DNA. It's too small. There's not Mm. enough. You can't say that it's hers. Yeah. So when the investigator asked, when you looked at the knife, were you inspecting it by itself? The forensics police replied, no, we examined 50 of Meredith's samples at the same time. Okay. So all 50 of these were being in the lab at the same time. So the fact that, (laughs) like, the trace trace of it, it it wasn't done, like, in a very clean, like, separate each piece was they weren't in individual rooms or test labs or whatever yeah 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 yeah. so just also like side note is there when they're doing all these trials is there also a language barrier there like are they just having a translator come in i think there's probably translators because i'm pretty sure amanda at this point is speaking english in in her testimony okay um i will say by the time she like this you see her, like, at the end of this ordeal, she's, like, speaking Italian pretty well. So I think right. over well, the if that's three all years you've in got, prison. <laughs> if that's all you've got to do with your time, and also, like, it's, like, life or death, and that, like... It's the only way you can communicate with everybody, yeah. yeah. Talk about, like, an immersive Immersion. experience. <laughs> wow. I mean... Who well, needs, who I needs also... Duolingo? You just, like, get arrested in Italy. Jeez, yeah. Well, also, I... Because I, I wonder how much... I mean, it's such a small amount of trauma compared to the rest, but imagine the additional fear in the middle of a trial when you can't even understand the lawyers defending you when they're in the middle of a courtroom. Yeah, know? when there's, like, idioms and things that get already got you in trouble. Yeah, oh, I, every every second I would be so uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there were uh, that they were speaking their native tongue and that um, there were translators because her quotes are pretty intricate um mm-hmm. now i want to add remember when you said like we're not e- eating pizza till tomorrow uh-huh. so <laughs> are we not eating pizza till next week is no. that what i'm hearing what? <laughs> no we can eat pizza tomorrow don't worry uh i'm just gonna tell you about what donald trump had to say during this whole ordeal. what the fuck christine <laughs> what what <laughs> that look at this point what curveball couldn't hit me square in the face you sound like donald trump is what i'm saying oh, so it God. cuts it cuts during this documentary cuts to a clip of donald trump like he was not president at this point right like he's he's not even run like this is 2011 so this mofo gets on tv and says and they're like so you think the president should get involved and he goes the president should get involved we should boycott italy <laughs> so oh my god has so he grand has plan. <laughs> never changed sounds oh, like so on point like gross we should boycott italy <laughs> the well dumb shit he unfortunately says. so the second i said i shouldn't eat pizza anymore did you just 
<laughs> I was like, yeah, let's boycott pizza till for, tomorrow. For once, Donald Trump and I have something in common, I guess. Wow. I don't think he boycotted jack shit, though. So don't worry. You're more committed. Great. <sighs> yeah, so that was just a stupid quote. They stuck in there. We should boycott Italy. Like, what are you talking about? What does that even mean? Nothing. Okay. God. So anyway, so the other crucial piece of evidence that this Dr. Carlo Vecchiati enlightens us with is about the kitchen knife in the drawer. So mm. that was found at Raphael's house. So detectives had already claimed this is the murder weapon. Amanda's DNA is on the handle and Meredith's DNA is on the blade. And like I said, Amanda was like, I don't even, that one I can't explain. That one I have no explanation for. So during the appeal, forensic specialists testified that the quality of the DNA sample on the blade was too small to be reliable as evidence. And not only that, so I'd already said like there was too much, too little of it to even confirm scientifically that it was Meredith. But on top of that, then they looked at her wounds and said, these don't even, this knife doesn't even match her, her wounds, like her stab wounds. What? So, like, it doesn't, the murder weapon does not even match. And we're finding this out how, how yeah. long after all of the... After okay. they had to appeal her, like, she was already convicted for who, this murder. Who didn't realize that? I feel like Terrible. that's exactly what... Okay. And this motherfucker, Giuliano, keeps saying, oh, well, I still think she's guilty. And it's like, you know what? There's something to be said for people who refuse to learn when they're wrong. To refuse to accept being wrong. Like, that's just... Yeah. There's something to be said for, like, you won't accept being corrected. Like, right. It's foolish. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's, 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 uh, and it's dangerous. Can we fast forward to the part where this gets, like, a good, <laughs> like, we have, like, a, we're happy? Yeah. Um, we can Just... have pizza tomorrow. <laughs> Is okay. that comforting? <laughs> Just look forward to that. Um, so... All in all, um, according to injusticeinperugia.org, uh, the following evidence was stacked up against Gede specifically, who's already been convicted. But this okay. is just proof, evidence at least, that he acted in this alone. Okay. He admitted he was in the room. His DNA was found in and on Meredith's body. His DNA, along with Meredith's blood, was found on Meredith's purse. His excrement was found in the toilet. Oh, it was his. It nice was his. Mm-hmm. His shoe prints were discovered in her blood uh, and were found in the bathroom or in the bedroom and the hallway. Uh His handprint in Meredith's blood was found on a pillowcase in her room. He had a cut on his right hand that was still visible when he's arrested and he had fled the country. So all Uh of that. And they're still like, oh, no, but Amanda orchestrated the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Who is running this? Who is okay? It's well, fucking Giuliano. I'm telling you. It's it's. I mean, this Minini, is so. Mr. Meany. This is so stupid. Like at this point, like he has to not be sleeping well, right? Like there's no way he believes still that a man. He Knox does, is and he keeps making a point of like no, how he ca- about how Catholic he is, and like they literally show him in a Catholic what church, and he's like, he's like, they will pay in the afterlife, and I'm like, you are a. You will pay in the afterlife. Are you Six fucking kidding me? Son of a me? bitch. I, I just kept wondering. I wonder what happens after we die. And do you find out like that you really fucked up big time? I don't know. Yeah. Like what? Like also. Oh, okay. So he's so. Catholic and like what? Like and also like. So her being like affectionate with her boyfriend was like just such a sin that it's now like I his really vendetta think a lot against of it, God. Like, I really this? think a lot of it was him looking at her as like this wretched like. Bathsheba type yeah like harlot from the bible like she's she's leading these men astray like 
I really think I a feel lot like of it at some point he work. had to figure out like logically it was not her fault, but he'd already committed so I wonder hard that he if, just like, has to say yes. Yeah, I wonder if like you get to a point where you just can't and you, it's too late to go back. You know, I wonder. Um, he got promoted later anyway, so we'll get there. But <laughs> yeah, no so, comment. <laughs> September twenty seventh, two thousand eleven. Uh, Celeste Chateau's Raphael's lawyer. Julia Bongiorno hammers all of it home, saying that the media portrays Amanda as a femme fatale, comparing her to the cartoon character Jessica Rabbit, who protests, I'm not bad, I'm just drawn that way, in the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh my god. She says, there is no physical evidence placing Amanda and Raphael at the scene of the crime. She attacks the credibility of the DNA evidence and says Amanda's statements to police the night of the murder should be discounted because of the hostile questioning by police. Mm. So... That's how that's their rebuttal, but like we all know that already. Um, right. Okay. October third, two thousand eleven, an appellate court jury of six citizens and two judges overturned their convictions. Wow. How long did it take, though? Um. So that was October of twenty eleven. Twenty eleven. Yeah. So she's been in there since two thousand eight. So yeah, like three years. <laughs> oh my uh, god. So the judge wrote, even taken all together, the evidence did not prove in any way the guilt of Amanda Knox and Raphael Celestito for the crime. Um, obviously, Amanda is overcome by emotion and she like collapses and her lawyers like help carry her out of the court. She leaves Italy immediately. Uh, well, duh. Duh. Like, <laughs> She's a- <laughs> also, like, let's take a moment to like, we are talking about Amanda Knox. We are not talking enough about her Harry Potter boyfriend. What's his name again? Raphael. Raphael. That man also deserves, uh, like, the uh, the energy we're giving a- Amanda. Of, oh, like, completely. That man was still also in jail for three years. Yeah. And he was, the, and he, the whole time. he was, like, even less involved. He, he was, like, like, was two degrees away from this person. Yeah. He was, like, my girlfriend is, like, getting accused of murder. And all of a sudden, like, I'm part of the alibi that didn't work. And now, yeah. like, I'm in trouble. Like, that, uh, did they break up? So, yeah. So, apparently, while they were in jail, he wrote to her and said, I still have feelings for you. And she was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. Like, it was just really heartbreaking. The whole thing was really sad. sad. I wonder, I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't blame her. Right. No, like, I feel like any, anything related to that experience could not be a happy one. It's like the one time where you could be like, like truthfully be like, it's not you. It's me. I'm going through a lot right now. (laughs) Yeah. No, but literally I'm going through a lot. It's not you. It's just like the entire nation makes me sad. It's the justice system. Yeah. Yeah. It's this guy, Giuliano. That poor guy. Like, so uh, for all the the energy we're giving Amanda, let's, uh, everyone also gives snaps to this guy because I hope he's doing well. Oh my God. Oh, well, he has a cute Twitter profile pic, so I guess he's winning in that regard. Yeah. Um, so, blah, blah, blah. They overturn it. Amanda jumps on a fucking plane and is out of there. And, uh, mm-hmm. obviously, she returns home to Seattle. Um, it's pretty fucked up because her dad is, like, outside the house and the media has, like, swarmed their front yard. And he's standing there and they're, like, <laughs> one of the journalists is, like, well, you know, you only have a couple weeks left before she's not a hot ticket anymore and you're not going <gasps> to get much money out of this story. Like, you know that, right? I mean, I'm sure they're trying to bait him, but it's so fucked up. And he goes, sorry, I don't quite look at my daughter as a hot ticket for the media. Right. But... I, I think of my daughter as someone I haven't gotten to see in three years because 
Because uh, she's XYZ. been wrongly accused of. Yeah, it, yeah. And it was just like, what do you expect him to say? Like, you're right. We should call Harper Collins. I don't know. It right. was just such yeah. a bizarre. He was clearly trying to bait this man, but it was like, oh my God, how like low do we have to stoop people? Um, so she signs a book deal with Harper Collins. Fun fact. <laughs> so well, I was gonna say, with that book money, please tell me she tried to like sue the cops for defamation. Back. <laughs> so she does do good things with her future, which is great. But I mean, I get it. I would write a book too. I'd be like, listen, I need a to process this somehow, and yeah. b to like share my side of this fucking story when everybody else has been slut shaming me across the headlines for three years. I don't. I don't blame her for one second. For also, like, I need fucking money. Like, I yes, don't have oh, a right. job. Like, right. Also, <laughs> in the middle of college, me. I got put in prison, and like, yeah, you took a career what? from me. Yeah. So, and she can't just go work at the Dairy Queen because like everybody recognizes her. So it's right. like, anyway. So, that's not the end. <laughs> Sorry. There's what no I thought that was it. No. Christine, I don't think I can do it anymore. I know. Though. I'm so. Sorry. <laughs> Um, I'm really sorry. Okay, just when you thought this was all over, two years later, March of 2013, Italy's highest court, the Court of Cassation, reopens the case. (gasps) Now, this is another thing. Well, I guess I'll quote the New York Times. I was going to try to explain it, but I'll let the New York Times do that job. Quote, this highlights the divide between the legal systems of Italy and the United States where defendants cannot be tried twice for the same crime after an acquittal. In the U.S., if you're acquitted, you're good. You can't be recharged for that crime. Not so in Italy, my friends. So for the rest of her life, she just she gets to live in fear? right back into that fucking trial. So she never gets to feel safe ever again. Mm-hmm. This woman is still alive. Mm-hmm. And at any moment, she just has to be prepared to, like, go back to jail for another three years. Yeah, I don't know if there's, like, a limit. Like, maybe you can only be tried twice. Like, I don't know how. I don't know the details. But that yeah, so she thought she was. Woman. She never gets to feel safe again. Yeah, she thought she was fucking free. Now they call two years later and are like, "Oh, actually, we reopened it because, according to the Guardian, prosecutors argued that the Perugia court that acquitted them has lost its or had lost its bearings in the case and had erred in numerous ways." And it's like, we already determined that y'all fucked up to begin with. Now you're saying they fucked up, whatever. So Knox, who was obviously in Seattle and was ready to release her book was devastated. Um, she said the prosecution's theory of my involvement in Meredith's murder has been repeatedly revealed to be completely unfounded and unfair. And yet again, the trial begins again. And also, just so we're clear, like, she kissed her boyfriend once and was considered a slut for the rest of and time. And then it got And now she's across. writing a book after this. She is going to be seen as such a clout chaser. Yep. And yep, like, yep, this yep, is yep. just proof, like, all of it was for money. Oh my god. And she doesn't okay. even have a 15-year-old living in her in her house. Yeah. Having a a sexual relationship with a 15-year-old like some fucking Catholics do. Allegedly. Alleged allegedly, thank you. Um so anyway, retrial begins on September 20th, nope, 30th, 2013, uh and neither <laughs> I don't blame her, Amanda nor Raphael are present for this trial. They're home. Um so Raphael takes the stand, uh, I guess, like virtually, where he describes his charges as absurd and the evidence against him as an illusion. And he continues, there was not a basis to charge me to put me in jail. I don't wish anybody on earth to go through what I went through. Mm. And Amanda basically sends an email writing the same sort of thing. She wrote in Italian, I must repeat to you, I'm innocent. I did not rape. I did not steal. I did not kill Meredith. So on January 30th of 2014, after 11 and a half hours of deliberation, the jury once again convict Amanda (gasps) and Raphael 
for a second time. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my fucking god. And so because of this, the judge adds two and a half years to their original sentences. So now she has 27 and a half and he has 26 and a half. (laughs) Who? Sorry, can you remind me again who reopened this and why? Like the what? Italy's highest court. It went all the way up to the highest court and they reopened it because they said that the the last trial had been done basically insufficiently and forensically was deficient in the way they. So what? At what was the evidence in this that this time around that like really like you know was I'm so not, mind blowing. I'm not sure. I, I I'm. I'm not sure what they could have said to be like, actually, the knife did have her DNA. Like, my guess is they had other forensic experts come in and say, no, it probably is Meredith's DNA. Like, I'm not really sure. That's my guess, but. (sighs) I don't think I've ever really been so affected. I think maybe a a couple weeks ago or something, there was one that like really got me going. And like, I think this beats it. Yeah, this one's so infuriating. Um, We're thankfully almost the end, but. Uh, Amanda, Raphael, their families, the entire world was like stunned, especially in the US when you're used to like, if you get off or you're convicted or you're acquitted, you're fine. Like you're with that charge, you're done. Like you don't need to face trial for that again. But everyone was shocked. So uh, let's see. Obviously, they still maintain their innocence. On May 1st of 2014, Amanda did an interview with CNN where she asserted, I did not kill my friend. I did not wield a knife. I had no reason to. She's probably ingrained these into her fucking brain by now. Yeah, she, it's probably her daily affirmation. Yeah, like literally, yeah. So then on March 27th, 2015, an Italian Supreme Court, thank the Lord, overturned Amanda's conviction for the murder of her roommate, Meredith Kircher. So she and Raphael were finally free. I'm guessing there's probably some limit on how many times you can retry somebody because now apparently they're they're good like they're good they're out of there how did they why did they overturn it again like it was just the same kind of process all over again their lawyers appealed it they brought the same you know forensic evidence to the table does this mean they had to like sit in jail again while they waited for all this i don't think so i think it was going through the appeals process and they were just waiting um so they thought they were going to end up going back to jail um but can you imagine having to relive your nightmare and like after everything you went through for three years almost that exact same amount of time you're finally done with this crisis you're home and you're home you're safe you're you're like that's was the worst nightmare i'll ever have to go through and then all of a sudden someone calls you and says (laughs) hey you have to relive it all and it's just even if she didn't have to do it the or and Raphael too but the mental torture of knowing, like, this is what you get to go back to at it's any It's always moment. hovering over your head. And, wow. And so, thank God, it was, like, months later that they started the appeals process, so they didn't have to go back yet. But if that oh. appeal hadn't gone through, they would have had to go back and go to prison for 27 years. So, <clears throat> she... Uh, it was really cool, because they had video footage of her finding out that, like, the, the verdict. And so she was at home with her family and she just starts screaming. Like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And then she calls Raphael and she's like in Italian. She's like, Raphael, we're free. We did it. Like, we don't have to go back. And I'm, I'm like, shocked that that was her reaction. Cause I would have been like, again, like at, at that point I would be like at any moment, they're going to say, never mind again. You I know. know it's, it's just so heartbreaking. Cause like the amount of emotion still so many years later that you're still probably having to go through and deal with, like, I don't know how you don't, <laughs> 
I'm also, I do think it's really precious that her and Raphael did bond through this. Yes, like, yeah. It's horrible, but even though they were At no they longer had dating. something in common, like. I mean, you've got end. no one else that knows what you've been right. through. Right, who else like, understands this? Exactly. So she called him and it was really sweet because like, even though they're obviously not together anymore, she was like in Italian. And that's when I noticed, wow, her Italian's a lot better. Wow. Um, so, but she was like, we're free. We did it. We don't. And I was like, wow, this is, and her family's sobbing. I mean, it's. It's heart-wrenching. Um, mm. So thank the Lord she got it appealed again. Um, so uh, Amanda and Raphael were finally free, and she said in a statement, The knowledge of my innocence has given me strength in the darkest times of this ordeal. And throughout this ordeal, I've received invaluable support from my family, friends, and strangers. To them, I say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Your kindness has sustained me. I only wish that I could thank each and every one of you in person. So September of 2015, the Italian Supreme Court released their explanation behind the verdict, saying they blamed stunning flaws in the investigation and increased media attention for creating a frantic search for guilty parties. The justices find a complete lack of biological traces connecting Knox and Celestito to the crimes. The court said evidence still points to the guilt of Rudy Gede. Okay, like I could have told you oh that five years ago, but all right, glad we're finally all there. Um, and as final icing on the cake, on January 24th, 2019, the European Court of Human Rights ordered Italy to pay Knox more than $20,000 in damages for the interrogation. And in her blog, she commented, I am grateful for their wisdom in acknowledging the reality of false confessions and the need to reform police interrogation methods. Mm. Which still ha happens in the U.S. Yeah. Wrongful convictions happen here. Coerced confessions happen here. More yep. than we'd like to think. Yep. Um, so at least this is being drawn, you know, some attendance being drawn to that issue. And this is the last bit here. According to a 2010, nope, 2021 In Touch Weekly article, Amanda has been married to a man named Christopher Robinson, which, wow, that sounds a lot like Christopher Robinson. Christopher Robin. Yeah. But, or Christopher Robin, but uh, married to Christopher Robinson since February of 2020. So very recent. Wow. Um, right, right before the pandemic. Yay. Uh, <laughs> she got, she snuck that in there. Uh, where guests had to wear costumes. Um, Fun! I know, it's kind of cute, because I remember when this came out in the news, and I was like, oh, what a strange update to the Amanda yeah. Knox case. Like, everyone's in <laughs> costumes. Okay. Huh. Um, so, she they're now expecting a baby. Aww. Very happy for them. Um, they worked on a true crime podcast together called <gasps> The Truth About True Crime with Amanda Knox, and it ran for Good four for seasons. I know, I was like, badass, man. And they now co-host a podcast called Labyrinths, which is about navigating their own personal mazes in life. And I'm like, oh, man, she really, like, she, fucking owned this shit. Wow, good for her. I know. So, as mentioned in the beginning, she has a Medium blog where she updates, what did I call them, blog articles? Yikes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she updates them regularly. And in 2017, she said she was devoting herself to writing and activism for the wrongly accused, which is great. Sure. And Raphael himself is engaged to his partner, Andrea... So they're happy, Yay. hopefully, too. Um, and finally, as far as Meredith's family, because, again, it just kind of wrecks my heart that, like, her whole story was just sidelined yeah. by this, which is, like, yeah. her tragedy is the biggest of all. You know, she was brutally yeah. raped and murdered. But so according to Sydney Morning Herald, uh, the Kircher family still celebrates Meredith's birthday. They honor her on the anniversary of her death. Her father, John Kircher, has written a book called Meredith, Our Daughter's Murder and the Heartbreaking Quest for the Truth. And he writes, so Meredith, this book is for you and all the people who loved and love you still. Aww. So if you want to watch the documentary, it's a great, it has the same um, 
same viewpoint that I hold, which is okay. <laughs> which is like, what the fuck were they thinking? Yeah. Um, but there's plenty of documentaries online, books, etc. So you know, form your own opinion happily. I'm not gonna tell you what to believe, but I'll tell you what I believe. So that's yeah. where I stand. Yeah. Wow. The end. Finally, no more. I'm xing out the page. No more fucking like we're reopening the case. No more retrials. Goodbye. Oh my gosh. To that. that you you told it well, Christine. But wow, I just am not happy that you had to tell it at all. My God, I, when there was a break in the page and it was like, and she wrote a book. But then, <laughs> it's like, no. For a second, I was like, whoo, out the clear. <laughs> so sorry. Yikes. Well, I hope she's doing well. Sounds mm-hmm. like she's doing well. Have a little COVID quarantine baby. I know. I should and look at that. Look at look it up. See if um, see when babies do. Yes. Yeah, same due date as you, maybe. Aww. Well, um, yikes. Do we have an update on your baby yet? Oh, yeah. I did have a fun one. Today I found out that the baby's the size. This is actually early. This is for one. We're recording this week, but baby's the size of a Foreman grill, a George Foreman grill. Oh, my gosh. Michael Scott could burn his foot on your baby. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're right. Wow. That's That's pretty pretty big, huh? And according to uh, What to Expect app, uh, the baby is the size of Winnie the Pooh's jar of honey. Which is funny because Christopher Robinson. Christopher Robin, which is Robinson, which is also funny because I just bought a bunch of Winnie the Pooh prints for the nursery. So fun, fun stuff. Yeah, is, is Winnie the Pooh your baby theme? I love Winnie the Pooh. It's one of the. I don't really have a theme, but it's definitely like a one of the elements. <laughs> like I feel like, like we talked about this recently. Yes, we how, did. Like, I, we I had did. a crush on Rabbit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Oh my God, I love Winnie the Pooh so much. I got some really great little prints from Etsy. Oh, and then the other one, according to, is uh, a Doc Martens boot oh well remember i i remember you and your vegan doc martin stomping around in those neon pink (laughs) there's nothing christine liked more when we were on tour than (laughs) wearing those doc martins and every time someone pointed at them she'd go they're vegan they're vegan (laughs) magenta and they're vegan wow good times Uh, well so your baby has fashion and also can sizzle some bacon very well what a stunner well all right, I guess I'm going to go back to Los Angeles now. Yeah, have a good so. weekend. <laughs> and that's why we drink. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.